photography space, we talk about it a lot about mm-hmm. like, you know, gear, like, oh, I don't have the right gear for this and I don't have the right lens or whatever they, their excuses. And it's like, dude, like, just get good with the gear that you have and you'll succeed. Right. If you if you're sitting there as a new photographer upgrading every 3 4 months mm-hmm. to a new camera, you have to relearn how to use that camera. Exactly. Go through all of its settings. Yeah. And 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 figure out figure everything out. So you're relearning as you're learning and you're just stunting your growth so much more. That's what I've learned is that, you know, it's not about the gear, it's about the story that you're exactly. telling. It's the mm-hmm. idea that you're selling. Do you want to put it out there? Mm-hmm. Because I always use this as a as an analogy that you know in basketball there's a lot of people who tell me oh I can't play today because I don't have this shoes I was mm-hmm. like bro just imagine if like Kobe Bryant will play right now with no shoes he's actually better than you because he put in the work exactly the practices that he's been through mm-hmm. it's not about the shoes man not about the it's shoes. not about the shoes not just about imagine if you have the latest gear or shoes mm-hmm. That doesn't make you a better exactly. photographer. Some, some... Three, two, one. Caden Smith, welcome to my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an interesting way to start a podcast. <laughs> I think I think I want to start my my podcast in that way so people. The audience would know that we are actually in a bedroom. Yeah. Like the humble beginnings of Nice Vibe with Vince. Mm-hmm. It's like it started from here. Yeah. Because, I mean, if people go through the episodes and one day you say, welcome to my studio. Right. Yeah. So that's when that's when you know <laughs> that you've made it. And so people would know that you can start small. You know, mm-hmm. that's the point of of the show is is people in their humble beginnings and for you to interview people in their humble beginnings you have to be in your own 100 starting point right yes speaking of humble beginnings um congratulations on your first year of photography in your yeah journey. yeah it's been uh i started in june of last year so it's been just a little over over a year thank you man it's been it's been interesting so what's the difference of like you know like what's your viewpoint now from a year ago and now a year later like what's the difference what 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 did you learn like what do you have any expectations versus reality of your photography journey yeah um starting out i did a uh, landscape photography so pictures of places and mm. and viewpoints and things like that and i would just edit through my phone and you know there were these like really like oversaturated heavy edits um but then i started looking more into photography and i realized how much i've always loved fashion so later on i kind of stepped away from landscape and i wanted to do portraits of people and i would just take pictures of my brother my sister my family whatever and then you know i i met some friends and um my manager at my old job actually i um offered to give him free family photos uh he had a newborn mm-hmm. and um so he was on like leave for a while with his second son being born and then when he came back 
to work I was like hey you know I know you just had that baby like I'd love mm-hmm. to do some family photos for you guys and I did that and that was a very like pivotal moment that I loved um taking pictures of people and doing portraits so I would say that like of course my photography and my work has evolved but mm-hmm. the main thing is my mentality around photography and kind of my philosophy and what it serves to people um i think photography is an amazing service mm-hmm. um of course it's an amazing artistic expression and stuff but when you do portrait work kind of helping people see the beauty in themselves is something that i find to be so profound um i think there's a lot of emotion you can capture in landscape mm-hmm. but i find it so much easier to capture emotion with portraits because people have faces mm-hmm. and these beautiful faces and they can they can emote themselves and you know you can kind of guide the model to um kind of convey what you're looking for mm-hmm. and you know it's when you turn that camera around and show them the picture that you took mm-hmm. and just how happy they are to see like oh my god i look so dope in that picture i look <laughs> yeah. so badass or i look whatever it is right you know they often compliment me mm-hmm. and i always say like nah that's, that's all you. you yeah that's all you you did that mm-hmm. um <clears throat> yeah people talk about clients a lot mm-hmm. when you do professional photography and i really don't like the the term client um i kind of learned this mentality from a film photographer I really like, he's based in Detroit, named Valandez. Mm. And um, he he kind of talked about, like, not really liking the word client. And I really resonated with that. I don't like to view models I work with or people I work with, especially right now, because in, in where I am mm-hmm. in my journey, a lot of them are friends. I don't like to think of them as clients, not just because I don't like the stigma around clientele. And, you know, it kind of, like, reminds us that it's, like, a paid thing um i think of models and people in my portraits as collaborators Mm -hmm. i think models are just as much of artists as photographers are and people don't speak on that enough they don't speak on the fact that models are artists and when i work with models and there are a lot of photographers who practice this but um making it a collaborative and fun experience Mm -hmm. right you don't have all the ideas as a photographer the model you know has their own craft and photo shoots and creative sessions come out way better when it's two people bouncing ideas off of each other and that's like the really fun part i found um working with models and and collaborators right not clients it's been really really fun to like come up with all these crazy ideas Mm -hmm. and and just make really dope art together make really dope art together because it's a collaborative Mm -hmm. work i have a huge respect for for models and Mm -hmm. what they do it's not an easy job Mm -hmm. um whether it's runway or just like just for your own like instagram or whatever it is Mm -hmm. um it's not easy there's a lot of like science and things that go behind it and things yeah yeah it's a ton of it's a ton of work Mm -hmm. um to be a model it's not as easy of course there's like the instagram very social media influencer type of modeling that's just done with like iphone and Mm -hmm. like i will i personally won't discredit that 
Um, but it is a bit different than like high fashion or um, anything studio based. It's a it's not an easy job. It takes a lot of creativity, um, and I mean like, you know, there's also like the things with dieting, working out, right, and, and looking to kind of fit a certain look um, to be a model, and that's just part of the industry. And mm-hmm. I think the industry is starting to break away from that, but it's it's still in there, and it's still part of the gig of of being a model. You can't just let yourself go and that's just the truth right so when did you when did it ever cross your mind because all of all of the things of like the creative things you could ever do i asked i think i asked you about this when we had dinner uh tempe's um chick-fil-a yeah 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 right and i actually want to save that in our podcast but i just couldn't help it at that time yeah i want to ask you and to let the audience know of like why photography out of all the creative things you can ever picked up and you know like what was the aha moment when you said this is it i I, Mm -hmm. i'm happy to i will be happy to to be doing this so originally i wanted to do video editing and videography Mm -hmm. um mostly in the back end side with editing um whether it was for like gaming content or whatever Mm -hmm. but i knew i wanted to pick up a camera one way or another and um most cameras nowadays do video and photo. Right. So I tried out both. Um, I didn't really get the the video thing, and it it just didn't exactly feel right. But I started taking photos, and there was just something so special to me mm. about how much you can convey in just one frame, mm. and kind of the challenge of it. It's it's much harder to, in my opinion. Um, to tell a story in just one frame mm. and you know capture all the emotions and you know get people to interpret something with just a picture right and I really liked that challenge and succeeding at it is um is something that I find to be very very fun and interesting sort of like an abstract art yeah it's like it's so hard to convey what the artist is trying to mm-hmm. send a message and we can actually yeah. have our own perspective of what kind of artist mm-hmm. is but we can definitely you know ask the artist of like i think i yeah. my dad is actually an artist like mm-hmm. um i don't know like portrait artist like yeah yeah I, I can't remember but you know he mostly do some abstract um painting mm-hmm. and i I could care less. I, I thought in my younger years that I don't have any creativity in me. Right. I, th- dude, like all of my family thinks that, you know, um, they were shocked when I first uploaded my first um, vlog. Right. Um, they were shocked that, you know, even though it's it's like it's stale and, you know, you can clearly see it's a beginner's work. Yeah. But they never thought that I could like sum up a video of like a 10 minute long video because they thought of me like you know i could barely do a like a stick drawing or right. my handwriting is so awful they can't even read it mm-hmm. so um where am i going with this i, I think i because i always thought that being an artist is like you were born in it like right. when you're born you have it already. Mm-hmm. Then I later realized that you can actually learn it if you're really into it. 
Yeah. I was like, huh. This that's a new world actually. It's sort mm-hmm. of like going to another dimension. Yeah. And portraying what your emotions is to the people out there consuming mm-hmm. your art. It's a yeah. beautiful thing. So the first thing I want to say to that is I very much relate on the um, not thinking you were creative side. Mm-hmm. So my sister's 12 and she's an amazing artist. She's been drawing since she like came out the womb and she is only getting better. She has a very unique style of art. You know, she's mm-hmm. not drawing like anime or manga. She's not drawing anything Disney. It's completely her own style and she works on it every single day and just mm-hmm. keeps getting better. And it's I'm inspired by my own little sister of just how much she loves doing art and how good she is at it. But she's only 12. Right. And she's been doing it for years. And um and then my brother is a writer and he's been writing since he was 12. Right. I didn't really have any kind of hobby mm-hmm. or outlet at, when I was younger. And it took me a really, really long time to find photography. I found a photographer when I was 18. It just, it's been a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really insecure about it as a kid, you know, having a, a brother writer and a sister artist. You know, I didn't know what my medium was. I didn't, I didn't really know. So um, music was one. Right. Uh, around that same time, my brother started writing. He also picked up guitar. And um, my family on my dad's side would make jokes. It's like, oh, he plays the guitar, so you should play the drums. That's mm-hmm. like how that works. That'd be cool. And I like went with it. I was like, okay. And um, I went to middle school, and I was um, put into music class. And like all the instruments and stuff in music class didn't really interest me. Like we did like some some choir. We did some singing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the unit in music class when I was in middle school that interested me was drumming mm. and I loved it. I, it was super fun and I really, really liked it. And so I did it sixth grade, seventh grade. Uh, I was just like, whatever, doing whatever elective for half a year for a semester. Second semester, my music teacher from sixth grade comes up to me and he's like, Hey kid, you're like the best drummer we've got. Like we Ooh. need you for our, for our, um, our symphonic band. Yeah. Um, so I remember being twelve year old me and I, I was the I was the drummer, the concert snare drummer. Um, so I did that seventh and eighth grade and then I went to high school and I was like, Mom, I really like music. I wanna do marching band. Um so I ended up doing marching band. Um <clears throat> and I did it for three years, ended up marching the snare drum and that was like super fun. Um, but my issue with it was that when you're in a marching band, you're one piece of a hundred mm. plus people. Mm. And a lot of the things, there's so many philosophies I learned from, um, music and marching band about, you know, determination, practice, mindset, putting yes. your best foot forward. There's so many life lessons I learned that I still carry with me to this day. Right. Um, I think what the most important thing I learned from drumming and I took it into photography is the importance of fundamentals mm-hmm. and the, the baseline, the building blocks of whatever you're doing, no matter what you're doing in life. If you aren't perfect at the really, really easy stuff, you can't do any of the hard stuff. A lot of people like to jump to the, the hard, challenging, cool stuff before they, they perfect their fundamentals. Um, 
but my issue with marching band was that I didn't have much of an identity as an individual. Mm. Being in a drum line, a lot of what it was was listen, listen in to the other person and match their sound, right? right. Match your sound, blend. Tempo. Yeah. It was like hide into all of these, these mm. boxes, right? And it wasn't about you as an individual. It was important as an individual to be good at what you do, but your goal was to sound like everyone else and blend in with everyone else which if you've heard fanfare or like marching band or dci or whatever it's really cool right it sounds beautiful and all that effort that the individuals put in to become one is is really cool and the results are amazing but for me personally i wanted something or to do something that showed my individual growth mm -hmm. so covid happened um, my senior year of high school, I would have been the drum captain of um, my high school drum line. But um, unfortunately, uh, you know, with all of that, I ended up um, not continuing marching band just with all the, I mean, it was, it was impossible to practice. Mm. Um, at least it was impossible to practice with the rest of the band. Right. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I ended up moving from California to here in Arizona mm -hmm. and, um, it was a very pivotal moment of my life. I mean, I left high school. I left all my friends. I'm moving right. to a new state. And, you know, I just wanted to figure out something new. So um, I ended up picking up photography. All those years later, after trying to figure out, like, what makes me a creative? What is my mm -hmm. medium of creativity? If it's not writing, if it's not art, if, you know, it's not music, you know, what is it? And I ended up finding that it was through photography <clears throat> and there was another thing you mentioned where you said um people being born with their talent so what i think sets people aside from i don't i don't truly believe anyone's born with a god-given gift in anything it's one you don't thing think so no okay what i think it is is determination okay and you know you love something when you are self-aware that you suck at it, but you have so much fun sucking at it. And yeah. you have so much fun getting better at it. You know, there, there's people who pick something up and they're like, I'm not that great at this. I don't really want to. I don't really want to get better. I give up. There's some people who are like, oh, like I'm pretty good at this, I guess. Mm -hmm. But you can see that there's no passion or enjoyment behind it. They just do it because like, oh, I'm pretty good at it. Right. But it's the people where they're, like, analyzing, like, everything they can do and change to get better. Mm -hmm. And they keep at it knowing that they're not good at what they do yet. But they see their own potential and they want to get there. They want to get to that point where they're undeniably great to themselves. And they're constantly analyzing themselves. They don't really care about what everyone else says. They're just determined to get better at this thing. And that's how I feel about photography. I Every time I, I click that shutter, I look at it and I'm like, what can I do better? How can I frame this better? When I'm sitting down editing photos, I'm like, I like this. You know, I like this final product. Mm -hmm. But um, there's obviously like things like I can I can do better in my editing process. And I think every time I've sat down and edited a batch of photos, I've edited them differently. I'm still trying to find out what my style is. And I'm messing with different styles that I like. And um, I'm slowly but surely figuring it out. But 
I think that's what separates people from like, uh, you know, whether they're 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 good at something or, or not is just keeping at it. You're so right about that because I didn't even realize until today that we have a lot of similarities in terms of like there's a lot I can name a lot cameras we have the same cameras yeah. you know and mm-hmm. the sort of like we almost have the same beginnings of like you know we started late i never knew mm-hmm. about that not until today we started late you started like a year ago started a year ago filming mm-hmm. because i never thought i have a creativity in me yeah and you know and i always thought that nobody as i i share that with you that i never thought that nobody is gifted but mm-hmm. wait no i take that back i thought about that all the time back yeah. then because i always thought that people can always um, improve themselves if they suck at it if they yeah. just wanted to be better at it if they you know if they don't um, if they don't um, mind stumbling upon failures mm-hmm. and then just get up again and try it again and, and you know ask themselves how can I be better at it and because that's what I always thought about Michael Jordan mm-hmm. he's you know considered as the best basketball player in the world. I mean, everybody knows that. Yeah. Even the the babies that are still like fetus or something in their mm-hmm. womb, <laughs> they know. First thing you learn. <laughs> they know that Michael Jordan is the best. Michael is the <laughs> yeah. best basketball player. And you know, he was caught off when he in his like I don't know sophomore year or like um like third year year in high school. Mm-hmm. He was caught off in the varsity team. Just imagine mm. if he stopped there. Yeah. Right. So. But the problem with that is there's some I this is where I separate my thought about nobody was gifted mm-hmm. but because I thought about there's physique thing there's physical aspects in yeah. human beings that you are actually born seven footer mm-hmm. and you can't deny that you know it's not everybody is going to be born six eight or at least seven feet and right. you have the advantage of it spe- specifically if you will be playing a physical contact sport mm-hmm. just imagine if you're playing boxing or mma if you're like 280 pounds naturally compared mm-hmm. to fighting against 150 yeah you will maul that guy mm-hmm. you know that's what i thought even though let's just say i'm 200 pounds and i'm against a you know 280 pounds guy yeah now like i'm gonna train harder than him but you know physical physical mm-hmm. wise biological wise yeah he's he got better advantages in reach mm-hmm. or you know um power yeah so there that's where i thought i was like hmm physical advantages yeah if we're talking in a creative sense i i will go with what i said but totally in physical sports and certain things that you have to do in life um there's advantages to to being stronger and taller and you know depending on on what you're doing um but in creativity there's i to just look at stephen hawking was he the one who's like on the wheelchair no mm-hmm. no, no, no yeah yeah, yeah stephen hawking. Mm-hmm. just imagine that guy how smart <laughs> he is books, and movies. i mean maybe he was born that was like that as smart as he was maybe yeah. he studied harder than the rest of us i you know it's it's a case-by-case thing but right. i don't think it takes being gifted you know maybe i shouldn't go as far to say that being gifted isn't a real thing Mm -hmm. but you know everyone anyone who's good at something if you look at it case by case i think majority of the time they weren't born with anything they work hard they just work harder yeah than everyone else at what they wanted 
That's so true. That's so true, man. Especially in creative space because, mm-hmm. excuse me, I always thought to be a filmmaker, you have yeah. to be like, you know, good looking guy, have all the, um, <laughs> have all the, um, um, equipments that you need, yeah. gears. And then when I saw oh, and when man. I heard about Casey Neistat's, um, story, I was like, he's not a good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest here, man. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and, you know, Joe Rogan. Look yeah. at this guy. Look at that guy. He's not that, you know. He's not like Tom Cruise, attractive mm-hmm. guy, Brad Pitt. No. You're right. But he's good in writing and, you know, doing his comedy. And, mm-hmm. and that's a different art form. Like, yep. Hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that really inspires me from them is like, you know, I can, we can see them now that they are hyperly successful in their yeah. craft. And then when I hear their stories that when I was 21, I sucked. Mm-hmm. I bumped. I, you know, I, I was so, I was so, you know, um, I always bumped in, in all the stand up that I did. And I was like, wow, I was barely making money. I was, you know, yeah. in food stamps just to get by. I was like, this is inspiring. You, mm-hmm. you know, just hearing to, you know, one of those greats to get where they are and from where they were back then is so humbling and too it it really um resonates that you know they didn't went from you know the beginning stage and just be great in like a year or two yeah they went through all the shit they ate all the shit i was Mm -hmm. like okay yeah i i have i have hope now they struggled in many areas and their talent and their dream was another area on top right. of everything that they struggled but they kept at it mm. to struggle financially to struggle even just like getting a meal for the day but you always find time to put in this energy to your dream right despite everything because <sighs> because you want to improve right. because you're determined and you love your what you're doing yeah and you know it's like I was like, how can Casey do this thing? Like publishing a video every single day. Film mm-hmm. now, edit later, publish tomorrow. I was like, I can't even edit a video for like three days. Like yeah. how the fuck? Like he has kids, mm-hmm. a family, a full-time job, a company that he's running. Yep. I was like, but when he explained that, I was like, how did it get here? Mm-hmm. It took me 10 years yeah. to get it. I was like, okay, that makes sense now. Mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. I was like okay that gives me hope there's definitely people especially with where we are as a society with internet and things like that it's possible to blow up in one or two years but we're talking way less than one percent right right it's if we go over like if we have we had access to the data of how many youtube accounts are created that have videos posted so many of them are not seen by anyone it just isn't out there maybe they aren't consistent maybe they didn't do anything to improve whatever it may be but it's a very 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 small percentage of the ones that are at the top but those ones that are at the top kept at it and they they kept working at it and like casey it's probably been anywhere between five to ten years yeah let's um re-record our cameras real quick and we're back anyway I think one of the biggest examples here is Mr. Beast. 
Yes. <laughs> he knows his beginnings, right? Yeah. Oh, he, was a, a, he, he told his mom he was going to college and he was yeah. sleeping in his car. Dude, like, just imagine, like, there's a lot of people who will tell us that, you know, I want to be a podcaster, photographer, uh, mm-hmm. filmmaker, but I don't have the gear. But nope. Jimmy started with a webcam. <laughs> yeah. He can't even afford, like, a webcam back then. He, he saved um, $10 a day. Not until mm-hmm. he um, afforded the webcam. And yeah. the first um, better camera that he used was iPhone 5. Yep. Dude, I was like, hmm. So it's not literally it's not on the gear. Yeah. And uh, in the photography space, we talk about it a lot. About mm-hmm. like, you know, gear. Like, oh, I don't have the right gear for this. And I don't have the right lens or whatever they, their excuses. And it's like, dude, like, just get good with the gear that you have and you'll succeed right if you if you're sitting there as a new photographer upgrading every three four months mm-hmm. to a new camera you have to relearn how to use that camera exactly. go through all of its settings yeah and 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 figure out figure everything out so you're relearning as you're learning and you're just stunting your growth so much more right whereas if you have maybe a camera that's not as expensive or not as whatever doesn't have all the fancy things and nine times out of ten there's probably like half of the stuff in your camera that the new nice model offers that you're not using because you're using all the basic features that every camera has so you're basically wasting money on that front Mm -hmm. and then you know there's just so much in a camera to learn that just get good at what you have even if it's an iPhone that's why I don't discredit people who take pictures with their phone or you know they're just instagram influencers or whatever because what is that person doing that separates them from this photographer who has the nice new camera who's trying to get good but you know their their photography sucks compared to this person's selfies right the person doing the selfies knows the ins and outs of their iphone and they know all the best angles they know how to get the best lighting they know whatever settings to, to use to get good pictures just with iPhone. I mean, right. the, the iPhone is, is insane. They were, were, cameras are becoming obsolete. If you're going to spend the $1,000, why spend another 1000 on a camera? Yeah. You have a, a $1,000 camera right there that also... Has 4K. Exactly. It calls, <laughs> it calls your friends and it, 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 yeah. it texts your mom. It's like insane, it does, right? It's crazy. <laughs> I will never discredit someone who, right. is, who has a good selfie game. I think it's a totally different realm of art compared mm-hmm. to like commercial or studio photography or whatever it's just a different form of art but i think it's still art that's what i've learned is that you know it's not about the gear it's about the story that you're exactly. telling it's the mm-hmm. idea that you're selling you want to put it out there mm-hmm. because i always use this as a as an analogy that you know in basketball there's a lot of people who tell me oh i can't play today because i don't have this shoes i was mm-hmm. like bro just imagine if like Kobe Bryant will play right now with no shoes. He's actually better than you because he put in the work. Exactly. The practices that he's been through. Mm-hmm. It's not about the shoes, man. It's not about the, it's not about the shoes. Not Just about imagine the gear. if you have the latest gear or shoes. Mm-hmm. Th- that doesn't make you a better exactly photographer. Some, some or kid, athlete. some kid learning to play ball is probably like, oh, I don't have, I don't have a hoop in my driveway. Like right. I can't, you know, I can't practice or whatever. Then go to the park. Oh, the right. park's like 30 oh, minutes away. Excuses. God. Take the bus. Ride your God. bike. God, do something to get there. Do something. If you really want to play ball, do something to to 
get a ball, do something to be in front of others, do something to be in front of a hoop. It's not the gear that really gives you that edge. It's the experience that you have. Yeah. I mean, I played basketball when I when I was two. That's the first time that I picked up a ball. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got older, dude, I tried playing ball with my bare foot, to bare feet, dude. Mm-hmm. I swear to God. And I just imagine that. Mm-hmm. That, that that's that's like feet on like the cement grip yep. and it's, dude it stuff on a rock <laughs> yeah, i swear to god and i thought that was worst when i went to another province and i was like where's the fucking hoop yeah. i was like dude it was just um putting a nail on a fucking tree wow. and and we were playing on a mud i was like whoa <laughs> i swear to god i was like oh my god okay this a different world but i'm gonna play it's it's still the same game it's the same game different upsettings mm-hmm. you know it's like you gotta do what you gotta do you gotta deal what you have start yep. with with what you have mm-hmm. and i think what one of the things that really discouraged me back then to really excel on the things that i wanted to is the people that you know surrounds me um definitely judges me a lot especially when i was a beginner mm-hmm. they will definitely um how can i phrase this right really mock on me and condemn me yeah as a beginner as if i know everything about it already yeah. just imagine it's sort of like a toddler or a newborn baby just trying to learn how to walk and being made fun of when exactly. they fall exactly that's what my mm-hmm. was my environment back then. So yeah. I was afraid to try all the things that I wanted to try. You hold people back. It's a you're gate you're gatekeeping people from entering a community, a sport, a livelihood because of ego. Hundred percent. Just straight up because of ego. 100%. You're like you don't belong here. You're not good enough. You're not getting good fast enough. You're good and you'll never be good. And that's when I thought that every creative, every great people, every great athlete was born that way. Mm. I never thought that it you can actually develop that along the years that you will put in the work. Mm-hmm. I realized that later, 23 years later, mm-hmm. when I lived alone, when I went to therapy, when yeah. I told the story that this is my family, this is what they did to me. And she was like, my therapist was like, after you overcome that, that's where your creativity will be born. I was like, holy shit, mm-hmm. dude. Like then, then I started my podcast. I was like, man, this is it. I'm not going to hold back. This is what I wanted to do. I don't care if people think that, you know, we, we will fail for sure. Yeah. And this is what I've learned from Jordan Peterson that, you know, this is the problem of the beginners is that they don't really... Um, embrace that we are beginners because they expect that from here to 100 real quick mm-hmm. because I don't know like most of us don't want to go through hell yeah but if you want to be great you need to go through all those failures that you need to learn mm-hmm. or you know you can study all of those from the other people that who've been through that but mm-hmm. more or less you can definitely you know fall but yeah, I think what important the, the most important thing is you need to get up and do it again. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way to succeed, actually. Yeah, uh, I remember 
when I started out drumming in mm. high school, mm. and I was I wanted to join the drum line so bad. I remember watching them rehearse, and I was like, I'm gonna be standing there. Mm. I'm gonna be there one day. And I mean, like, it was humiliating. You know, I would pick up the sticks, and I would, I would do my best. And from my peers, I would get, you know, criticized and ridiculed for how bad my form is, or mm-hmm. my sound, or my tonation. Whatever it was, the way I was holding the stick, like everything was, was <laughs> yeah. being nitpicked, and you know it, it was upsetting. But I took that humiliation, but underneath it was criticism. It was mm-hmm. something to learn, you know. Of course, any criticism from like the coaches that was fine. There was right. nothing like harsh that they said mm-hmm. that would traumatize a kid. Mm-hmm. But from the the other kids in the drum line. It was it was tough, and you know, I worked really hard to end up playing the snare drum. Right. I mean, like I went from playing in the front ensemble with like the the xylophones and stuff, mm-hmm. um, to marching a bass drum, which is like 40, 50 pounds, and I was like a one hundred ten pound <laughs> kid marching this big ass, heavy ass drum. Right. Um, but I made it and I did my best then and I got ridiculed and made fun of for whatever reasons, but I just kept practicing. I'd learn my music. I'd go, I'd show up, I'd play, get made fun of. And then I'd just repeat the cycle until one day I found myself playing the snare drum, you know, alongside, right next to the drum captain and right next to another really good player. And I worked my way all the way Right. up there to, to playing a snare drum to where the whole time I was just silently taking everything to the chin but like it really ate down at me and I was like you know what I'm motivated this mm-hmm. motivates me one day I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna be good enough to where you can't say anything mm-hmm. unfortunately when you raise a kid in such a hostile learning environment like that yeah. once they're on the top of the totem pole they start Barking down, condescending. Bring up the arm closer to your mouth. There you go. Is that better? Better. Much better. Uh, They start talking down Mm -hmm. in a very condescending way to anyone that's new. And I did that a lot. I felt like I had worked so hard to get to where I was in the drum line that anyone else who tried to step on my territory now, Mm -hmm. my turf that I laid the ground... To, to be there, no one else works as hard as me or as the way I thought. I had that mm-hmm. ego for anyone else who just who was learning at their own pace and learning in a way that they found fun. I didn't like it, and mm-hmm. I would I would gatekeep people from from pursuing drumline, whether it was as a hobby. And I thought that you could only be a drummer if you really cared about it. And you watch DCI and you go to auditions and you, you do all this stuff and you have to take it super seriously. And, and you know, it's, it's just this cycle. When you raise people in a hostile learning environment and you're constantly criticizing them and kicking them while they're down, for the ones that do, that don't give up mm-hmm. when, because a lot of people do, when you do that, they just give up and they're like, I don't want to be part of this. This is, this is awful. This is an awful experience. The people suck. Yeah, but for the ones that don't quit, once they finally make it to the top and they they take the throne, 
the cycle just continues. They they want to inflict that same pain that they felt and that they had to take, and it's just a super unhealthy way to get people to to do anything. So, I, you know, I I ended up reflecting that by the time I left high school, and I was like, I was a terrible person, and, and yeah. you know, you suck. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like, yeah. I was I was a shitty person, and, yeah. and I was mean to people, and I hated that about myself. Um, you know, I blame myself more than I blame like the the environment, right? But the environment was undeniably a, a factor of how I turned out. When I started doing photography, and I found that the community is so kind and nurturing to people who are figuring things out, and you know, whatever you know they always say like art is subjective like if this is your vision for art we applaud it you know here are some some ways you can get better and maybe a way that you can you know consistently see your your vision and your art in, mm-hmm. in, in a way that you're proud of um you know always always willing to teach and not judge or criticize mm-hmm. just you know educate and it's like you know you can take this advice or leave it but you right. know i'm, I'm gonna I'm going to see if I can help in some way, but either way, you know, this is a great starting point um, and you're going to be great. Like, that's just the kind of energy and attitude that comes. Of course, in within the photography community, there's still people who are, for sure, you know, yeah, a bit more critical. Um, I find it to be some of the, the older people in the community, some of the, the mm-hmm. OGs. Um, they're very, like, big on gear. They're, mm-hmm. they, they're gear heads and, oh, you didn't use the right the right equipment for this and this would look way better if you did this you didn't have this your photo sucks and it's like uh. but the great thing about the photography community and a lot of the spaces is that when someone does get picked on by one person like that uh they get ratioed by everyone and there's a bunch of people to come to that person's rescue and is like hey lay off nobody asked for your opinion i think their photo looks great shut up like it's that kind of when i saw that a community can be so nurturing in that way i was just like in everything i do i want to give this kind of love and affirmation to anyone that does anything that's Mm -hmm. so much better than you know getting your teeth kicked in and then and then once you finally do all the work to get to the top if anyone else tries to come in you do the same thing just repeating that harmful cycle i'd rather just give love show love Mm -hmm. um I think, like, through that kind of realization, I realized, like, you know, they talk about love languages, right. like acts of service, physical touch, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mine is definitely, like, words of affirmation. I, like, the sentence, like, I'm proud of you. Like, if you don't say it to someone too often and you genuinely mm-hmm. mean it mm-hmm. when, when they reach some milestone or, or they're excited to share some news about you. Yeah. Like, I know that for me, when someone tells me they're proud of me, it really affects me in a positive way. And I mm-hmm. love to give that kind of energy back so just sharing love and positivity and something like it was a full 180 turn for me from who i was in high school right and i just like i reflected on everything and who i was in high school i was like i know i want to be the complete opposite and photography and the photography community kind of helped guide me that way one of the things that i like talking with you is you have the vocabulary that i actually mostly lack like mm. I was looking for those words of like um, criticized by these people, right. or like humiliation. That's that's the best mm-hmm. way to describe my experience, and yeah. you actually experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know we've talked about this earlier about all those um, 
humiliations that we have been through, I think it's very, um, it's mostly, you know, there's different humiliations from people who will criticize you. Right. Especially if they didn't actually have the experience that you're going through right now. That's, mm-hmm. that's a different thing. That's fucked up, actually. I, yeah. I, I don't support those people because well, that's, 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 those people were the one who was surrounding me, actually. Mm-hmm. They never went to a basketball varsity team. They never know what it feels like, the pressure to be an athlete and, and to be a student, student at the same time. Yeah. And they were the one who was criticizing me at the same time. And that, they, that, that didn't really sums up very well because they don't know what you're going through, actually, at this moment. Yeah. And, you know, they can give you bad advices most of the time because they've never know what you're going through. But there's a different thing about feeling the humiliation if you lose some competition or that position that you're applying in, especially if you put in the work that you can. Mm-hmm. Right. What I'm trying to say here is the importance of humiliation in that case, knowing that you put in the work is that, you know, um, you can always improve yourself even though you put in your best. Yeah. There's a better version of yourself after putting the best that you can do. It's, there's no cap for your improvements. Mm-hmm. And with that humiliation, you will feel that humility of like, okay, I can go wrong. Mm-hmm. I can definitely fail. But that doesn't mean that it's the end. Yeah, like failure is necessary, but it's not the end. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned. Like it took me years, like more than twenty years, to learn that. Because what I've thought, like what I said earlier, that I thought that if you were, if you are one of the greatest, mm-hmm. you already have that in you. Right, you were born, and you know, you they don't actually fail, and you know, have those moments that they were, you know, they fail they they feel that humility or humiliation i mean when they just started but i then later realized that, huh they actually went through all of those most of the people that are very successful now mm-hmm. actually went through all the shit they went we, through we, getting made fun of <laughs> they went through being humiliated and and, and bullied pushed or, around and yeah. stuff and they just they were like i guess this is life but i'm not gonna stop doing this i'm just gonna keep at it and whatever they can say whatever and you know no one's gonna be like oh it didn't it doesn't affect me like you can say whatever you want it doesn't affect me it affects all of us you know like but it's just the the people that are affected by it negatively they feel all those emotions and then they just keep going i think one of the most important things that you said bro is when you go through that shit that, you know, people will criticize you and make you feel <laughs> shitty on the things that you're trying to improve on mm-hmm. is that's one of the unhealthiest way to learn mm-hmm. or to get better. Yeah. But it's one of the ways, but it's unhealthy. Yeah. That's I mean, what I... Go ahead. It, just imagine if you were, you were in math class and every mm-hmm. time every time you didn't get something and you would raise your hand to the teacher and be like, I don't really get this. Like, I, you know, I don't... I don't understand the teacher just made fun of you instead of being like, oh, you know, this is this is another way to look at it. Or, you know, this is where you went wrong you know, in a very constructive way. Instead, they were just like, get out of my class. You suck. Yeah, <laughs> like that That's actually me, you know, um, studied, you know, one of the most prestigious universities in our city. Oh, wow. And, and when I 
I'm always behind. I'm not that interested in all the classes. It, it's more likely because I was promised that I'll be moving here in America. So right. I didn't see the, um, I didn't see the um, importance of like studying in the Philippines if I will be moving soon. But it took, what, 20, 20 years later mm-hmm. to get me here. So so all of those, um, you know, I must have have different perspective and you know um, effort to put in if I was trying to. I have this. Um, uh, very um, linear goal, not linear, but very um, concrete goal in right. my mind to be the best in the class or at least to get better, at least to do this mm-hmm. instead of like, okay, you have a different future. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, given, but it took years. So right. that didn't, you know, com- sums up very well at that time. And um, going back to the math class is like, you know, in that school, when I often ask the teacher to repeat all the, you know, if I have a question or something, they will be like, I'm not going to go back to that. We need to move on to the next lesson. It's like, yeah. hmm, okay, <laughs> how am I supposed to learn? And reality is in college, I never passed algebra one. Mm-hmm. Dude, I took that course four times and never passed. And uh, well, I wasn't interested in my major anyway because i was like i'm gonna go to america anyway and this doesn't make sense this doesn't matter yeah Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter at all so and that's one of the things that you know one of the important things is like we should actually know where we wanted to go or where we wanted to be in the future yeah because that doesn't make sense of like doing something today of like not knowing where to go it's sort of like driving a car yeah and you know just driving around and not knowing where Whereas your destination is, it's mm-hmm. pointless. Yeah. And, you know, it's tiresome. Like, just driving around and not knowing where to stop or where is your destination. It takes a lot of energy, gas, whatever. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time. And it's pointless. Yeah. So, I think that's one of the most important things is, like, to know why do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. Do you just enjoy it? Where do you want it to be? Where do you want you it know? to go? Yeah. yeah. I always have a goal or a destination in mind. It- you know, when, like you said, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to America. Mm. You had, you had no goals at that university. You had no, you, you didn't, I mean, you didn't like your major. Like you were just going there as one of those, like, you know, well, everyone goes to college. So yeah, I'm going to go to college, exactly. but you know, and then like you had questions and you, you know, you didn't fully give up. You weren't just like, oh, I don't care. I'm not going to learn anything. You had questions, but it's very, you know, it kind of, kind of shoes you away and you become uninterested when when you do try that you know you don't get the response you're, you're looking for the kind right. of kind of guidance you're looking for you know to just have the teacher be like oh well, we're just gonna move on you know that deters you from wanting to wanting to learn because right. everyone learns at different paces right. and you were aware that you learned at a bit of a slower pace and you know you weren't nurtured and and, and taught the way that you should be taught um I mean, yeah, that's just straight up. That's one of the things that I don't like about the school system, actually. But I never, you know, studied here. So Mm -hmm. I could only speak on what I've experienced back home in the Philippines is that, you know, what I've learned is like, this is what Albert Einstein said that, you know, you can never make a fish climb a tree. And that's most likely the school school system Mm -hmm. that I've been through is like, do this one thing. And not everybody is interested in art. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's interested in physical education, mm-hmm. and but that's a prerequisite. Yeah, a major like that is so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not interested in. I wasn't interested. I mean, 
just imagine if I fail in art class. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really give me anything in my major. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. There's no point and in then you, you learning will be, that. You will be, you know, they will tell you that, hey, you're not that smart because you failed on this subject that you, you're not interested in. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't make sense at all. I think, like, so for here, like, mm. eighth grade, right around the ages of 13, that's, like, the cutoff for what's necessary. I think mm. everything you learn up to... Like around age thirteen. No, record the camera real quick. Eighteen. Yeah. Um. So, everything that you learn up to the point of being thirteen is necessary. But then after that, like Mm -hmm. it all becomes like pretty arbitrary and like narrow. You take all of these classes, but unless you're really interested in that subject, there's really no reason for you to be learning anything at that point. If you're really interested in math. Go ahead. Start mm. taking the harder math classes. Go take physics. Go mm. take whatever. If you're really interested in history, go take uh, AP Econ. Go take AP Gov. Do that. You have. You should have that freedom. Mm-hmm. But the, the amount of credits and what's necessary to graduate is just so dumb because, like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just not yeah. interested right. in any of these subjects. And I have no plans to go into any kind of career you know, a lot of people say this, like, oh, they should, they should teach finances and, and all these important life skills to kids. Yeah, that I totally agree, because in the high school ages, that's when that kind of stuff becomes more important and you kind of digest it better. Like they should bring back home economics to, to schools. I think my school had a home ec, but, mm-hmm. you know, home home ec used to be not just cooking. It was cooking and like doing a lot of stuff with the house. Uh, there was like wood shop and stuff. And um, maybe woodshop isn't as necessary, but something like how to cook and finances is another big one. And like those are the kind of classes that honestly should be mandatory right? Um, rather than, you know, I got to go take algebra two or, or geometry or or whatever um, to graduate because it's not necessary. If I'm going to go be an engineer, mm-hmm. sure, then I'll take that class in high school. And then once I go into college, I can start taking my, my engineering classes. But until then, like everything from the ages of 14 to 18 that you learn, they're kind of build on to what I think is fundamental or necessary in education. I, I think a lot of it's useless. There's so much stuff I learned in high school that like I, I'm never going to do anything with that. The stuff in the stuff in middle school yeah. when I was learning percentages and decimals, you yeah. better damn right learn that because that has to do with money. Yeah, that's you know, and it's very basic math, and you shouldn't learn, you know, percent decimal fractions. Mm-hmm. You should learn a lot of the stuff that you learn in English class um, in middle school. That's also very important. Very basic writing stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, you don't want to not be able to send an email to someone because you can't right. write in proper English or whatever language you're learning in. Um, and just things like that like it, it's necessary but I think like around the high school age there's a cutoff where things become really unnecessary but what I'm thinking right now is this is a very interesting topic um, I want to ask you like you know you we um, definitely agree that we have a different um, different pace of right. learning right mm-hmm. and what if like at that time let's just say when we are in like um eighth grade right mm-hmm. 
it is important to learn about finances, how to handle your own personal finances, mm-hmm. at least, or, you know, um, basic um, world economics or how does the money works. Mm-hmm. And what if at that time I'm not interested in that? But it is important. Mm-hmm. But once again, going back, we have our different own pace. Right. I'm not inter- interested at that time, but down mm-hmm. the road, I might be. Yeah. But I missed the opportunity because it was, you know, the class was handed out at that time where right. I wasn't interested in. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be never interested in about, about that case. Do you think it's mm-hmm. so, it'll be so much better if that, <sighs> dude, we need to like, we need to like, if, if one of where I'm going is like, do you think it's so much better if like we can still take that class in the future mm-hmm. if that's available, uh, especially if we're interested in that class and that is necessary to learn, let's just say right. psychology and philosophy and mm-hmm. finance, all those trifecta, yeah. right? But if it was offered in the time that we are not interested in, then there's less likely that we will ever have the chance again to learn that in uh you know in the mm-hmm. school school system that yeah. you know you'd have to do like outside learning or something yeah, for that and, and that get <laughs> the credit out of it yeah so in the future when you go to the real world to to, mm-hmm. to apply for a job that hey i yeah. passed all these classes but just imagine if you're not interested at that time mm-hmm. you can never show that to a real world you know apply right. for a job so my my response to that is um when it comes to like math or any of the those same arbitrary subjects mm-hmm. in high school mm-hmm. we're forced to take those anyway <laughs> if the kid isn't interested in learning finance mm-hmm. or you know I, I think psychology is a great one that right. i think everyone should learn there's so much that you can yeah. you can take into real world and just understanding people and their emotions mm-hmm. um if if the way the school system is right now where we're okay forcing kids to take certain subjects to graduate why don't we just force them to take more important classes the if, question we're, if is, we're gonna force them what is important because every individual has a different right. importance in their so, lives uh electives right classes you choose to take right uh-huh. theater um dance all of those we sh- i think kids should be given more electives and classes like you know higher mathematics mm higher English, higher sciences, the higher, like, history classes, um, those should be electives. You should be able to choose to take those classes if you are interested in math. You know, they, those classes should always be available, but the kids shouldn't have to take them to graduate. I think something like like finances and, and personal growth classes and, and things like that, things and topics that kids can take into the real world is um if, if the if we're going to continue with a school system that is uh that makes things mandatory for a kid to graduate why is it these these subjects that don't apply to every kid's future and what i'm thinking is like especially if like you know you need to memorize all of these topics in your subject let's just say history mm-hmm. right i don't think it's so important to memorize all the history especially like you know you have to take the test and you have to memorize a bitch date of like you right. know this war happened or who's the yeah who's the president of this year who's the 16th president of america mm-hmm. in reality with the technology today you can just okay yeah. google I mean, that's so much faster just, that's so much efficient and effective yeah. rather than memorizing i think i think history is 
important. It and is important. In my ideal, uh-huh. like the school system that I'm making up in my head, where uh-huh. kids, you know, have to take finances, but you know, if you don't want to take geometry your sophomore year of high school, don't. It's if if you have no plans to ever use it in your life, don't take it. You know, switch it out for another different class. Mm-hmm. Um, I think history is one of the ones that would be needed to graduate. I think it's super important to learn um, our American history and like where we come from and stuff. I think a lot of people are very uneducated and have, <laughs> yeah. they're learning things from kids their age and they're being um, kind of fed. Uh, I, I won't say lies. I'll say mm-hmm. like um, kind of twisted truths. Yeah. They're just, um, it's biased. They're, they're right. learning all these different biases right? and um, they aren't learning their full history. And um, I think what's being taught currently in school history is not 100% truth. I think there's a lot of bias in the history that's being taught in school. So in my ideal school system that I'm making up, history would be mandatory and it would be 100% unbiased, full truth American history. Just the facts. And the hard thing about that is American history is always going to paint itself in a good light, right? <laughs> Come on. So all the, all the things that America screwed up in, nope. throw it out of the book. Yeah. Except for like japan but you know we were trying to win a a war and they they were vicious and you know two nukes were dropped and you know heavy heavy stuff heavy world history but that's that's important u.s history and the same way that you know i learned in history class like all the tragedies and the aftermath of the, the the bombings of hiroshima um and just how like we should go into that devastation and the you know just as great of the things that america has done in history we should also go over the tragedies and where america screwed up because we are so far from a perfect country um but even with that i still think this is the greatest damn country in 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 the world there's a lot of there's a lot of people who who dream to migrate here and it has to be for a reason it can't just be for no reason right you know there's people from all over the world it's not just Mexico and it's conveniently close. That makes sense. But when people are taking boats from across the entire world to get here, there has to be a reason. So actually, we talk, Jordan and I talked about that, mm. about the history. Uh, did I post? I don't think I posted the clip yet. Mm. I'll be posting mm-hmm. it on Monday. So we talked about that because I <clears throat> forgot what we talked about, specifically why we got there. But I was saying mm. that, you know, if I was the historian myself, right. like just imagine if I just want to let you know that the good things happen and the bad things will never be learned in schools. Like how factual mm-hmm. the school history is actually, or how, yeah. like the fact, how factual, like the history are we learning from school? Mm-hmm. Just imagine different countries' histories. What app can I open for you? No, thank you. <laughs> just, just imagine. Okay. Oh my God! Just imagine um, different languages, right? And Jordan said, you know, it can, it can definitely lost in translation, mm-hmm. and and like what you said, like the, if you're the historian here in America, you can definitely just, you know, promote what the good things that we did as Americans, right? Mm-hmm. But in reality, what I've learned in the Philippine history, they tried to help us when we were at war against Spain. Mm-hmm. And after that war, they were trying to invade us. Yep. I was like, holy shit. And it's, you know, it's, I think it's very natural as a, you know, as a, as a tribe, tribal human beings, mm-hmm. you know, that to, to, conquer. To, to conquer. Yeah. To, 
to be the most powerful nation yeah. in the world. I forget the name of um the type of, it's a subcategory of psychology, mm. but it basically every human action and behavior and pattern mm -hmm. can be linked to something primal. We go to to primal instincts um and kind of looking into the the reasoning behind that. So there's that. I mean, you go years and years, millions of years into the future of, of humans existing and even still when we have all this technology and guns at the end of the day we want to conquer we want to take land we want to take territory bro i just um listened to uh joe rogan's episode right. and that's what they were talking about he's a he's a doctor so mm. i don't know what kind of doctor but he he's he's one of the people that i actually want to listen to mm. about you know what what you just said about you know we can really connect our history of why we're doing things today of like connect it to the primal um, mammals out there because yeah. whether we like it or not, we are fucking mammals ourselves. Yeah, we're animals. <laughs> yeah. So that is very fascinating to know mm -hmm. that, you know, um, we can actually track back to, even though to the caveman yeah, years, cave you know, yeah, years. like There's... protect your family and, you know, mm -hmm. hunt and gather and yeah. feed your family, you know, and just imagine if there's, some sort of like different tribes will get your um meal or your prey then you will have to fight against them because or not if if not then you have no food to offer for your family that's sort of like the comp competitiveness that we have today yeah. the you know like innovations everywhere every mm -hmm. year there's new different iphone we can't just settle yeah. to like i'm satisfied with my iphone 10 there's yeah. different iphone next year mm -hmm. and we can't stop innovating Mm -hmm. you know that's part in our dna you just yeah like want anything from and... horses to cars to, cars to and... evs electric mm -hmm. vehicles to rockets to mm -hmm. just imagine that boats to planes but okay going back to like migration yeah i often like you know i was like um i often bitch about flying from the philippines going here to america it's 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 about 18 hours mm. not mm -hmm. Considering about the layovers, it's gonna take you more than it's gonna a day. Take you a full day. Yeah. Then when I hear about stories like, oh, um, I went to America by a raft, I was like, bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? I would take, I would take my, my economy seat in the airplane any yeah. day. I can sleep. There's food. There's movies. Yeah, and just people, imagine being on a boat. Yeah, I mean, like my my grandparents when they fled um Cambodia mm -hmm. in the in the genocide. Yeah. Um, in the 70s came here by boat my mom her sister and her parents came here on boat to to escape that you know just imagine how fortunate i was just mm -hmm. you know just flying by to a international airport getting yep. the food that i wanted and just oh my if God. instead you're on a cramped boat with yeah. a bunch of other immigrants who are trying to flee to safety and I never learned about, never heard about genocide, not until Jordan told really? me about it. Yeah, I was actually, you know, surprised. And I was like, dude, um, forgive me for being ignorant about it, but I want to be educated. Like, what is yeah. genocide? genocide? So I was dude. like, holy shit. When I Google it, fact checked it while we were talking, Paul Pot, mm -hmm. motherfucker, killed millions of hundreds of millions of people yep. because of socialism. Like, holy yep. shit. All man. in the name of socialism. And, you know, I have my stances and opinions on socialism and oh, why, yeah. okay. why, I I don't, why I don't think socialism belongs in America. Mm. Look at that? Cambodia. <laughs> oh, fair. 
Yeah, like it. Like it I mean, yeah. other socialist countries, Venezuela, and like all these countries that had a, a a dictator and said, "Hey, we're gonna make everyone even across the board." The only way to the only way socialism sounds great on paper. I'll never argue against that, right? Everyone's yeah. even. Yeah. Everyone yeah. gets the same amount of food. Everyone yeah. gets the same amount of money. Well, we only have certain resources. If you give everything to everyone, well, now everyone's poor. There's no way in socialism to execute it in a way where everyone is rich and prospering. There are only enough resources to make everyone poor. And you're, you're only going to give enough. And with socialism, there's so much power given to the government. They're 100% of the time, every time, going to take for themselves. There's never going to be a holistic socialist government dictatorship that cares enough to make sure everyone everyone isn't starving and everyone has a mansion and everyone gets to you know live a nice happy life they're gonna take for themselves you're, you're giving so much power to the government you know we're i heard this really funny thing from um this uh i guess uh like political commentator mm. um Amala Ekpunobi, mm. I think is her name, and I actually had the pleasure of meeting her at, a, at an event recently. Whoa! Um, yeah, so she she works for PragerU, and she used to um, be a leftist, and mm. she talks a lot about her journey of of leaving as a leftist. And I want to preface this by saying that I am not left or right leaning. I, I politically like identify with with being in the center. I just I'm someone who listens to both sides, right. and I I take from what I agree with yeah. on both sides, which I think is how everyone should view politics instead of joining a side and being like yeah i'm this and i identify with this Both blue no matter yeah, who exactly red, i don't know i forgot what this red is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's nuts no yeah. I, I could never i just i listened to both sides but yeah. her point was interesting she said that when she used to work for the left she was explaining to people and and you know she would explain like why we need socialism but she would also explain to people on the fact that systemic racism exists in our government percent and um i guess this kid heard her you know doing her spiel and was really confused because they were like so you believe the government's corrupt and that they have too much power and that there's systemic racism uh within our within our government and within every, every facility but you also want socialism which gives the government a ton of power so which one is it do you do you want the government to have power or not and it was like <laughs> And she was like, she felt her whole world view like uh, crashing down. And she was just like, uh, you know, and she gets really defensive and stuff. Yeah. But no, like I, I, I also believe that even to this day, we have a super corrupt government. We'll always have, I mean, like no matter who the president is, there are people above the president. There are higher ups. There's dudes in black suits and with the shades on who get Controls to say, the strings. yep. The mm-hmm. puppet masters. Yeah, they're real. They're they're people that exist, and they're they always have an agenda, and they're always you know. But the president is just a mouthpiece for those people who are truly in power. Right. Um, and I believe that a hundred percent, and I will never give the. There's a reason why America is founded on capitalism, and we the people, and that we vote people into office because. God forbid we give the government more power, we're going to find ourselves in trouble as a country. It's just Okay, this is a very um, interesting topic, once again. Like, mm-hmm. this is... It's funny that we're talking about this because this is the third 
consecutive time in my episode that we're talking about socialism and government <laughs> that it, I never wrote that down in my paper that we will talk about this. It's yeah. just it's just so happy. It happened. just comes up. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, and I I want to have a guest mm-hmm. that is pro socialism because yeah. three consecutive guests and you were the third one. Mhm. They, they, we don't support Let's give socialism, socialism a chance <laughs> to defend itself. Yeah, let's, I want to hear some other perspective. You know, their representative. Yeah, yeah, and I'd, I'd love to hear their stance too. Again, I think like socialism on paper sounds like the greatest mm-hmm. thing ever, but unfortunately, it's just something that can never be executed because there will always be corrupt governments that take for themselves, and there's no way to execute it without making everyone poor. If everyone has the same amount of stuff, then everyone's poor. You know, you can look at it in a glass, you know, half full kind of way, mm-hmm. and you can be like. Oh, well, if everyone's the same, then everyone's rich. Or if everyone's the same, then everyone's moderate. But no, everyone's poor. Everyone, and going back to our conversation about primal instincts and primal psychology, as human people always want more. Mm -hmm. So when someone isn't able to get more, you're poor. And it's it's so tribal to, you know, um, I'm with this guy. So I'm going to support him no matter what, even though he's wrong. Mm -hmm. But, you know... I'm friend with Caden, yeah. so I'm gonna support Caden no matter what. Mm-hmm. Even though he supports socialism, even though I don't agree yeah. about socialism, but he's my friend. He's my family, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna support him. That's yeah. sort of like a tribal mentality, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's I'm not saying that capitalism is the perfect nope, you know, perfect, no perfect way to economy. go. Exactly, Doesn't and exist. every country has a corrupt government even mm-hmm. though we, we we live in a first world country we still okay. yeah we still have corrupt government yeah and what we agreed on on the my previous guest jordan and ronald was like socialism promotes laziness yes and what i always think of socialism is you know let's just say we have income equality i forgot what is it, what specifically was it called by andrew yeah. yang's um yeah um, um uh, whole mantra when he ran for president. Right. Oh, I forgot what it's called, but you know, let's just say yeah, we will receive is. like you know, yeah, we all get the some amount money. of money, like twelve thousand dollars a year, just to yep. cover up basic needs like rent, food, yep. and uh, transportation. Right. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is income equality. The problem with that is we will never have outcome mm-hmm. equality what's the point of working exactly if everyone gets the same amount exactly just don't do anything there's no innovation that'll yeah. happen no competition so, so when you have what grocery stores and, yeah. and all the fast food whatever yeah. is that run by the government do we have government officials now running everything mm-hmm. because the people just get to sit around and they don't have to to do work the greatest thing uh, about you know what america was founded on is um that it, we the people and, and we the people, we have more power than our government. Mm-hmm. Our, the, the, the Second Amendment was founded on the right to bear arms. And, you know, the, the Constitution, you read it and interpret it based on the time. So at the times when the Constitution was written, the Second Amendment was, was created, of course, for home defense and things like that. But it was to say that if our government tries to take over and, and destroy things for the people, that we can bear arms and we can fight back against our own government. Sure. And... Um, so the government is kind of at our mercy. The government's job is to protect us. It is not to govern us, mm-hmm. which is commonly misconcepted because, well, they're called the government. Mm-hmm. But it's not their job to, to dictate and say everything we can do. American capitalism and, and capitalism in general, um, 
other countries like the the UK and and you know that are that are capitalist. It, it gives mm-hmm. the individual an opportunity to make something for themselves. Mm-hmm. People people are just unfortunately the 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 outcome of that is that when people either don't have the same opportunities or whatever it may be, you know, you suffer more. And that's just the sad reality. But even those people, and we talked about that with like the the greatest of the greats who struggled and, and had to deal with financial issues. Yeah. Capitalism always gives you that opportunity to come back from those places, those right. those trenches. You can always dig yourself out of it. Um and you know, that's there's just opportunity it's that we are the land of opportunity Mm. that's like the biggest thing and it's why i think that so many foreigners um immigrate here because it's the land of opportunity where you can make something for yourself whether that's you know a drug dealer or a business owner of another kind but you can come here and, and make something of yourself you know compared to having a corrupt dictatorship government that didn't allow you to to be an individual or an entrepreneur like those words aren't used in in those other countries right being self-made that's not a thing but here in america you have those opportunities which is great there's a lot of things i want to cover um first of all is like this is what joe rogan always believes in is like um instead of like thinking about income equality Mm -hmm. why won't we think about how can we get better on opportunity equality equal opportunity equal opportunity let's just say Mm -hmm. you know in the cities that are very poor and Mm -hmm. just imagine if you were born in detroit right south side of chicago Mm -hmm. just imagine all the areas with higher crime rates exactly i agree just why won't we put in all most of the money to help that city grow and build more businesses and Mm -hmm. you know um lessen the crime rates that's happening right. so you can have better opportunities compared mm-hmm. to like you know if you were born in a la in a bigger city new york or whatever so, whatever um the farther left side will say you know systemic systemic racism and mm. you know we we're lacking in equal opportunity but their downfall is that they blame it on skin color i don't blame it on skin color um it is not just because someone is black that they're denied from a job look at it case by case they probably just didn't qualify and there's probably a bunch of white people who just like that black person didn't qualify so they got rejected for the same reason right um it's it's always based on culture and environment and and where you were raised Mm -hmm. so a guy from the hood might you know talk different he might have more of that you know hood slang and stuff he, he might talk talk different and um you know there's a stigma around that where you sound uneducated mm. is, is the way it is he could be an incredibly smart person um but he he sounds the way and he talks the way he does because of where he was raised and he may get rejected for that and that's not entirely that's not entirely skin color because if a white person grew up in the hood they probably talk the same and then, and then when that when that white guy or white girl mm-hmm. goes to apply for the job, they may get rejected for the same reason of having that that slang. It's and it, it's just culture, and you know there are these these rough cultures that exist because they're in areas that 
we haven't created the same opportunity we haven't given these areas the same attention or you know maybe they just don't have the right person for governor or whatever it is but you know these cities and these these states um have a lot of these poorer neighborhoods where people are committing crime to mm-hmm. survive or whatever it may be um you know i'm half black but uh, it really pains me to see part of my community and and you know as black people seeing them constantly blame the white man it's the white man and it's white supremacy instead of looking within their own communities and seeing mm. that it's blacks killing off other blacks and mm. my dad grew up in the hood and and you know was gangbanging and stuff mm. and you know he in a way contributed to the problem mm-hmm. it's you know it's much less the white person keeping us down we're keeping ourselves down mm. because we keep saying it's the white man's fault and there's nothing we can we can do about it the white people have to apologize for us and that's how everything is going to mm. be better no things have to be changed we have to go into our communities we have to change the education system we have to you know we have to put down uh, you know i think police work is is important and you right. know then we get into the whole topic of police brutality and 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 everything and i mean like you know the it's it's unfortunate the way it is and it's it's tough to find a solution for it but the solution is not blaming white people and and you know just blaming everything on white supremacy um it's it's just it's simply just crime rates and and black people keeping themselves down um so therefore it, it's like an internal problem it's not yeah, an external it's, problem. you're creating this cycle of mm-hmm. you know black people don't want to leave these neighborhoods they they see them as their homes and they don't want to strive for anything better so when you have kids in these these poor areas then they're taught the same things within the culture mm-hmm. to, to you know they they learn about gang banging and they see it and they see the drug addicts and you don't take them away you don't take them out of that environment you're just constantly growing and reproducing these people who who see these terrible things in everyday life so that's you know part of it is is the the part of the black community that doesn't want to leave these areas or can't um so that's at fault for you know not creating enough opportunities right. for them um but i i genuinely believe that a lot of them are just lazy yeah and recording all right awesome a lot um, of them are just lazy yeah a, a lot of the, there's a large portion of the black community that is lazy um mm-hmm just as much as there are ones who genuinely just don't have opportunity but i think a lot of them don't look for it they they are born into the hood and they're they're born into these bad areas and they're like well this is life and here it's survival and you know i gotta pick up a gun and i gotta get jumped into a gang in order to survive how do we stop that cycle and you know i'm not here to sit here and and come up with ways or tell you the ways that i found out to do that i just know that's Happening. that's where we need to get yeah. and we need to get into you know stopping gang violence and and crimes within the black community um to create those better opportunities for them because it's such an easy environment to get stuck and sucked into when you're born into there and people the people telling you that you can't or the people telling 
other black people that they can't you know they won't become anything and that they're black and they're stuck here it's the ones telling them white people oppress you it's white supremacy you're never going to be anything as a black person because the white person is keeping you down no white person has said anything to them no white dude went up to to them and been like you're black you're you're never going to get to be where i am no no white person is going up to black people and saying that it's black people and you know maybe it's older black people grandmas and and dads and people of the older generation who probably have experienced a white person coming up and, and telling them that but because they haven't got they haven't gone out of their bubble in their community they haven't seen that times change and you know we also have a news media that's feeding the same thing and is saying hey this is still going on white people are still it's not the truth of course there are racists out there but i think it's way less common that compared to um there's just there's a lot less or there's no white people really like going up to a black kid and saying you're never going to be anything because of your skin color the only people uttering that exact statement are other black people you know there's good things about bringing up the culture norms to the next generation yeah but not all the cultural norms is good there are some cultural norms that are bad 100 percent. but don't you think that the community think that way because of what they've been through slavery and it got passed on generations to generations Mm -hmm. and until today that never changed it might Mm -hmm. it may change or it actually happened but in a slight percentage but it's still going on and don't you think that it is Mm -hmm. because of that or does it have a different um reason because going back it goes back again to the tribal Mm -hmm. mindset yeah that got got passed on mm-hmm. and this is what we've experienced in our you know past generation yeah. and passed on today Wanting but to today be... is not the last generation is different mm-hmm. yeah um we can go back into slavery whatever i i personally have never looked at my ancestors past as some mm-hmm. something that holds me back mm-hmm. and i don't blame you know whatever mm-hmm. like I don't I don't think it's an excuse right. at all um, to to blame slavery on on okay. your shortcomings. I think generally generationally it causes generational trauma and and, mm. and people do hold negative feelings toward white people or whatever it is. Um, but I, I don't I don't think that um, it is the sole reason. Uh, there, of course there was also civil rights that right. was like a big thing in segregation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we have to look past that and we have to look at everyone as people. 100%. And I think we're, we're in a good spot. It, contrary mm-hmm. to, to, to belief with all of the systemic racism, again, racism exists. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Yeah. But I think we, that we've come very far as a country. Right. Uh, we've made a lot of progress. And it's, it's time to look past that. And we need to stop telling the younger generation of, of black kids that they're oppressed by white people because it's not the truth they're oppressed by, by, by within their own community right they're they're keeping themselves down we just need to stop sharing that negative or that not that negative that narrative mm. um we can go we can always go into the history it happened it's an ugly stain on america's history and like i said like history should be taught 
with the 100% facts. The 100% facts is that we went through the civil rights movement and we went through slavery. It happened, but it's we've, we've grown so far as a country from that. There's always going to be more work to do. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone that's within the social justice space, well, no, I shouldn't say anyone. There's a lot of them that are doing nonsense work. But the ones that are doing genuine good work that the, the country needs so that we can progress even further... I don't think racism will ever end, but I think the biggest examples of racism right now in the country really are like, I mean, there's just some, there's just mass hate on white people. Um, We're reinforcing stereotypes within the black community. And like, that's, those are the kind of things that need to stop. There's all the systemic stuff. And and, uh, there's part of me that like agrees with it. And, but there's another part where I'm just like, I mean, like my a systemic racism that I've seen personally is that a white kid can't get into college as easy as someone who's from a minority background because they just get extra points just for being a minority. But it's it's harder for the white kid and they get they get rejected when they've been on the wait list forever because they don't have this extra stepping stone of like, oh, bonus points. You're you're a minority, which means you struggled. We need diversity in our school. So you get That's to fucked up, right? Yeah. You you get you get admission. We'll even give you a scholarship. Good job being a minority. That's but then up. but that to me is are real world examples of systemic racism that I've seen. Not, you know, I've never been pulled over for my skin color or or stopped by a police officer for my skin color. Uh, it's never been that. Um not that I've really ever been stopped by a police officer now that I think about it mm-hmm. um and then I've never been denied from a job because of my skin color I mean like a lot especially with like it being like COVID around the time I started looking for jobs it's usually not in person until way later I get the job offer or whatever before they even see my face so and you know once we get to to the the in-person interview I don't think I've ever been rejected because of my skin color i'm pretty sure i've been rejected because i don't have the skill set or i I, i'm just inexperienced and i i'm hoping most like job systems in the country are going by that that rule set and you know no one's really being turned away from you know i could just be ignorant to everything but i'd like everyone to come to me and see how many uh personal stories they have of of genuine racism Mm -hmm. because uh if I've ever asked a lot of the questions or the, a lot of the stories that come up, if you ask someone, what is an example of racism that you've personally experienced? They either have no answer or it's something like, when I was five, this other kid called me the N-word. Mm. <laughs> that, that's mm. another five-year-old mm. who has no idea what right. they're saying. Right. They're just being mean. Right. Uh, and... That that's that to me isn't isn't like a, a traumatizing full on you know maybe mm-hmm. I am discrediting these people you know maybe I'm an awful person for saying no, that but not. I get what you're saying I, th- that to me isn't a real example if you've truly been denied an opportunity based on your skin color I want to hear that story and I want to believe that story so that we can do something about it these individual businesses that are doing that should be shut down mm-hmm. these individual companies and and whatever it is that is denying you mm-hmm. a right that you have as a human being as an american 
they should be stopped and that that shouldn't be allowed in our country um but i have yet to hear enough of those those real valid stories well it goes back i think to the tribal mentality of like it's easier to pinpoint the other people about your problems yeah where actually the problem is fixable in the inside mm-hmm. it's it's more we have more control of like changing the eternal problem rather than pinpointing the other color out there that is just thinking we think that it's oppressing mm-hmm. the, the minorities right yeah. but but it's easier to do that way anyway mm-hmm. so, it is yeah. it's a, it's rather a than changing yourself instead of instead of reflecting and yeah. being like oh you know maybe i just bombed my interview and i didn't yeah. do a good job or i didn't have the skill set or i'm just not what they're looking for i don't have the right background whether it's an education or or, or, or experience mm-hmm. instead people just maybe they're just going straight to to color because it's, it's easier. easier that way yeah it's yeah. easier it's harder to accept that i i might have something that i'm lacking that they want actually for that job mm-hmm. or it's easier to think that way because it's comforting yeah rather than confronting yourself mm-hmm. that i need to improve on these things that yeah. i'm lacking because it's it's hard to think that you know you don't have all those skill sets that they yeah. might be looking for and it's easier to pinpoint that out oh, they're fucking racist yeah. again maybe i'm just ignorant and i don't know but mm. if i personally if i applied to a majority white school mm-hmm. right like a college whatever sent in my my grades and, and my college essay did everything and i got rejected my brain just doesn't go to well, it's because I'm I'm black and, mm. I'm, and whatever, and I'm Asian, and then mm-hmm. I'm a minority or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I, I get mad and fuss over that. I think I'd probably just be like, huh, maybe they didn't like my essay or, or, or mm-hmm. something. You know, I would look on something within myself that's that's controllable and 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 improve upon that to to have a better chance rather than just being like, no, oh, they're racist. Right. Can't do anything about that. That's that's like. A dead end to your brain it's yeah. sort of like you know blaming to, your to boss I, and i think it's why like i see a lot of people further left um that are that are really sad with their lives is because they they put themselves into this mindset that victim all of their problems yeah, yeah victimhood yeah but it's all that victimhood is blamed on things outside of what they can control so when you tell yourself your life is shitty that's one thing because i can be like my life sucks you know i i hate my job uh i don't have a girlfriend whatever i can do all that but those are things that are like at least somewhat in my control i can go out and look for better jobs i can go out and date and meet people Mm -hmm. but then when you sit there and say all of my problems are because of other people and it's other people's fault why my life is the way it is and that's in anything when you put all of the responsibility on these uncontrollable forces you find yourself in in this depressed hole where you can't do anything in, in your life taking your foot into a grave yeah actually 100% yeah. just completely ruining your own mental because you're like oh well you know my life sucks but i can't do anything about it it's 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 the government's fault and it's the system's fault and it's whatever whatever but to to blame it on something where you have no control mm-hmm. is such a 
sad, sad way to live. Um, I just want to put it out there that you know I, I believe in what you're what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to discredit or invalidate all those people who had like difficulties in their experiences, yeah. like in their like, community or in their families, mm-hmm. you know, that can affect them. Let's just say you've been um, abused physically yeah. mentally that can affect you but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's the end of the world yeah um no there's totally a hundred percent yeah stories and traumas and people go through adversities that mm-hmm. truly do hold them back and, mm-hmm. and but you know uh, i'm more talking about um like the the, the systemic racism stuff and mm-hmm. again if if people have had genuine traumatic experiences mm-hmm. that were racially charged i want to know those stories mm-hmm. and i, I want to know how much it is happening right. in our country because i personally don't have any experiences and i guess mm-hmm. i can say that i'm very lucky mm-hmm. um but i just don't think that i see it often enough um and i i want to know you know where it's happening it, even if it even if it isn't happening that much and maybe they're they're painting it in a light where they make it seem like it's happening more than it actually is if it's just happening to a very very small percent it's still that doesn't make it okay right 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 and i just want to point it out as well that in dating mm-hmm. if you have a preference that you want to date this kind of um race right i don't think that's racist in a way that no. you have your own preference in a way that you can relate more to their culture or you want to learn more to their culture if mm-hmm. they have a different culture and yeah. if you don't want to date with someone that is in different race mm-hmm. that doesn't i don't think uh, to that to that extent that you're right. a racist you just have your own preference mm-hmm. uh, but that that you know i think it's where you cross the line is when you're hating about another color yeah. or race about yeah. you know their <laughs> culture about oh i don't like them because they eat, eat like always fried chicken or like yeah. watermelons or whatever <laughs> that's fucked if, up if you're sitting there saying i'm not gonna date a black person because they're dirty or, yeah. or something that is I, i'm not gonna date white far. white chicks because their feet are dirty <laughs> something something completely <laughs> random and, and genuinely racially motivated yeah. no but it, it's the same as saying like like, if you just say, I, I prefer brown girls, right. well, that can be Hispanic, mm-hmm. that can be, you know, Middle Eastern, that mm-hmm. can be, you know, it, uh, there's a ton of, like, brown skin, you know, it can be a light-skinned black girl, yes. it can be, it can be, there's so many, like, examples of skin color versus race, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's like, if I'm, like, I don't want to date black people or black girls, and I go into all the stuff about it, you know how black people are stereotypically well then we have a problem but then if you say like darker skin just isn't i don't find it attractive then it's that's like that's, that's yeah. fine it's a yeah. totally different thing right you know there's there's like darker skin i mean like you know are we talking like an african-american are we talking mm-hmm. someone like straight up from nigeria like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's nuances to everything and we, you can, we have to get specific but like yeah, as if it's, it has nothing to do with their culture yeah. or their race or background, then you're fine. But if you're, you know, if you're just talking about like you don't find their skin color, or what people of that skin color like, what their hair typically looks like, mm-hmm. you know, if if you're not like big into curly hair, well, then it's like okay, then you're probably not gonna date like darker skin girls because yeah. they, you know, genetically they have curlier hair. That's just that's just how preferences in in, in dating by looks right. goes. 
Um, but yeah, God no, by by all means, please don't, please don't ever be like I'm. <laughs> I'm not gonna date white people because they they listen to Nickelback and I can't. <laughs> That's insufferable, and I'll never sit in a car ride with a girl who's playing Taylor Swift or Nickelback. <laughs> Um, speaking about the jobs that you know, I'm trying to hire people in a different diversity to diversify their um, employees. Right. I think that is so pretentious to just you know have that kind of mentality. Why won't you just hire people mm-hmm. that fits best in your needs, of yeah. like skill sets, uh, or mm-hmm. what are you hiring right now? Because I don't think there's a really good point of like hiring people just to look good because you're you know diversifying colors so in your dumb. company i, I <laughs> wish i wish we lived in a world where the majority of people that where they were in terms of their mindset if they walk into a, a jimmy john's and mm-hmm. it was a bunch of white people behind the counter mm-hmm. i you know i i wish we lived in a world where people just didn't think about that or point it out or just be like there's a bunch of white people here they only hire white people here I wish, like, we could just come to the conclusion where it's like, well, they were looking to hire people. These are the people that interviewed, and they got the job. Like, it's that simple. It has nothing to do with... What is so fucked up last night that I've experienced is, like, I'm doing DoorDash, and I need to go to CVS to shop, right? And Mm -hmm. I was paying on the counter. There's two black people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're, you know... um, Um... In a relationship or something, something okay. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this guy asked the um, cashier if they 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 have. Um, it was around one in the morning, right? Okay. They asked the cashier, like, um, "Do you have any duct tapes in here?" And mm-hmm. you know, the cashier was like, you know, from staring at the guy and then looking at me like, I was like, "What the fuck, man? You're so fucked up." <laughs> Just <laughs> asking for duct tape. <laughs> What do you mean by that? This is so fucked yeah. up. It's so fucked up. That's, like, that's what I mean by like racism exists and I think unfortunately will always exist that's so in America. Um, but I'm not convinced personally on the systemic racism part, mm. but I am very convinced on the individual to individual case by case racism. Right. And that is an example. And that's also one of the examples where I would say like, what is an experience of racism you've had in America? Mm-hmm. If I was talking to that guy and you said one time I was at CVS and I asked her for duct tape and she looked at the other guy checking out yeah, yeah, yeah. And like with a concerned look, I would laugh the same way I laughed as you told that story. <laughs> I It just... It's it's unfortunate. It's, <laughs> it's something that we run into, but it, it can't always be something taken so seriously. Now, if they're right. threatening your life, or, or trying to harm you or, you know, being very, very negative or screaming at you on the street and right. calling you names and slurs. Right. That's the kind of story I'm looking yeah. for. Not, not this, that. Yeah. Not this kind of, that lady it was, yeah. it was pretty racist. Yeah. But it, yeah. it's it's not the kind of, um, not the kind of story I'm, I'm thinking I think if about. you complain about that, you will sound like carrots. But yeah. you can definitely say that mm-hmm. if you're a comedian. Th- yeah, there's a- no denying that 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 that's racist and that's <laughs> fucked up. But it's not so far to say like this is this is the kind of uh, racism we're experiencing right, in America right, right. that is 
that is problematic to yeah. our society and, 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 you know, not to say that she shouldn't do that, but, right. like, that's not what social activists are, are out there trying to put an end to. I can see, like, Dave Chappelle saying that on stage, and it'll be yeah. funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's a funny story. <laughs> it's, it's fucked up. It's dark humor. Yeah. But, uh... It's not right. Though. It's it's not it's not the kind of the kind of thing that's on topic. Oh god, I I just dude, it was just like, what the fuck is this really happening? It's one right in the now? morning, man. You're just trying to DoorDash, and you you encounter this this lady who is concerned because like a guy, a black dude is, is buying duct tape, like. Like, I knew, because we were on the topic of racism, the context clues, I knew where this was going, and as soon as he said duct tape, I was like, oh no, this <laughs> this can only go wrong. But, like, outside of this context, like, it's just a, a silly, like, story. It's funny. It's, it's funny. funny. Dude, I could use that. I've been wanting to do stand-up, actually. Dude, you should totally do stand-up. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I want to try before I die. Yeah. I want to try before I die. <laughs> Dude, it's... just, like, go to a, go to a, like, a... Open mic. Little, open mic, yeah. yeah, and just just see what you can do. Because there's this show actually in Austin. It's called um, Kill Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tony Hinchcliffe is one of the you know um, friends of Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, and all those mm-hmm. um, great comedians up there. And his show is like a podcast, right? It's a live podcast, but oh. with audience on right. a club, on a theater, right? Mm-hmm. And then they will have a guests like. Dave Chappelle on the show or Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and then they will they there's a bucket full of names they will get a name on the bucket <laughs> of the bucket and then you will have a minute mm. to do stand up and to then after that yeah they will ask like how many years have been doing stand up what do you do for a living and this and that and there's a lot of people from that show who became now an open micer for Joe Rogan for Dave oh, Chappelle wow. I was like bro this guy Hans Kim really cool um, doing stand-up comedy for eight years, right? But mm-hmm. he's living in a van. So broke as fuck. He moved from <laughs> Seattle to Austin just to do that show. Wow. And after that, it changes his life. Just today? Was it today or last night? He mm-hmm. was with Dave Chappelle, Joe wow. Rogan in in an, an arena. 30,000 people. Wow. Dude, I was like, holy shit. He was like, I was making $40,000 a year. Now I'm making that a night. Just mm-hmm. opening for Rogan. I was like, bro. And that's a different art form, actually. Just mm-hmm. writing some jokes, like putting in the perfect punchline and the timing of your jokes. It's a, it, you know, it's it's different when you do that live. People, like you know, it's like sort of like a dance. Yeah. Like if you will tell a joke, you would know if that is the right joke. If people will react to that, you know, it's sort of like a dance. It's sort of like this conversation yeah. is like a fucking dance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like swinging like this right foot forward. You. Yep. Conversation po- and yeah. comedy, it's an art. It's an art form. Just it, as much as dance. And there's yeah. There's right ways to do it and there's ways to, to make it more engaging and mm-hmm. interesting, you know. Um I'm not a one liner who just says yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of people, you know there's there's people like that because they haven't been exposed to like deeper conversations yeah. and they they have this defense mechanism that they will just throw this one-liner joke mm-hmm. they will for them to protect themselves for the you know for exposing themselves mm-hmm. of being vulnerable yeah and, and... being vulnerable yeah mm-hmm. and you know it, it took actually i was one of those people back then it took me years to develop to be 
open and be vulnerable in front of like you know people yeah. to be because i think that's one of the best ways to improve yourself is to be honest with yourself if you can't be honest with yourself there's no way that you can improve yourself to be better in where your you know your insecurities at you can't work on it if you just cover them up with your um all those one-liner jokes right. or your defense mechanism if mm -hmm. i may say you know and yeah it's it's hard to just hide in the shadows of your defense mechanism yeah you can't be truly live who you really are mm -hmm. so this is one of the things that i really want to talk about to you bro is mm -hmm. speaking about vulner vulnerability mm -hmm. right um stepping out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. discomfort so this is one of the things yeah. but there was one thing that i previously just discovered that there's deeper discomfort that you can ever do in your life and when i was watching this um you know um youtube video on the channel it's called jubilee oh yeah, yeah you know jubilee right mm -hmm. okay they're in a non-profit and i love their videos <laughs> they're, so, love their they're videos. so entertaining so it's all these cali guys and girls and it's just like like i used to i used to live in la and i'm yeah. like oh my god <laughs> These are LA people. <laughs> like they just grabbed people off the streets of LA and was like, come into the studio. Yeah. Like they are the most LA people you could ever experience in your life. It's crazy. So this yeah. video was like, ask anything ah, mm -hmm. to nudist community. Mm. So there's, there's two people that are in full nude, but there's a curtain in between oh. the person who's asking them so they can see the person next to that curtain right mm -hmm. they can ask questions to the nudist people community yeah and i was like holy shit <laughs> Dude. and what fascinate what, what's fascinating about it is when they ask those nudist community people they were like why are they why are you doing that it's like when you're naked you mm -hmm. can't get be more vulnerable than this you're mm -hmm. already naked what are you hiding mm -hmm. and you know, hearing that from them is like so liberating that, oh, mm -hmm. wow, there's this people that are so accepting. Mm -hmm. No matter what your color is, no matter what your body is, do you have stretch marks, you're fat, you're not, you know, mm -hmm. wow, that is so, I was like, <sighs> because I always, you know, I, I have nothing against the people that are so into fashion. Mm -hmm. I highly respect you. I, I, I always give you compliments on how you Thanks, often I always, always look good, <laughs> you know, because but there's this people who are so insecure mm -hmm. that just want to look good on paper on Instagram. Hey, mm -hmm. I have this brand that makes me look rich, even though I'm not rich, mm -hmm. you know, just to cover up that insecurities. But mm -hmm. what happens when you take off the clothes? Yeah. Who are you really? Mm -hmm. And that's what I really like about the nudist community. None of those material things, it's, like superficial things. Exactly. Right like, you know, what I've heard from those people that um, they were like, you are being judged of what car do you drive? Do you drive a Mercedes? Do you drive a Nissan? Do you drive a Hyundai or whatever? Whatever. Yeah, but if you're naked, mm -hmm. you can really present who you really are. Yeah. I'll say, okay, that's a different discomfort. I want mm -hmm. to conquer that. And when I Google nudist community near me, it's like 40 minutes drive away from this fucking apartment. 
I was like, holy shit, there's a nudist beach. It's like a resort. You can stay in for like $20. You have a room like this. What the hell? Yeah. I was like, dude. I was like, bro. Are you going to go do that? At some point. I will. Yeah. Be naked with a bunch of old people. Yeah. But yeah, there's more likely older people doing that because, you know, you're retired. What else are you going to lose? Mm-hmm. Right. But I just want to know and hear their stories. Like, why are you doing this? Like, most of them are like, you know, um, retired military people and they just want to be free and free from judgment. I just want to be with those people, like, you know, free from judgment. Yeah. Just imagine we're talking about racism, mm-hmm. but now just imagine being naked in front of people. <laughs> That's a different thing. Like I was like, that how, is... can you, how can you be nervous? You know, they always say that thing. Like if you're if you're speaking publicly or you're doing a stand up bit, just imagine your audience is naked. You don't exactly. be nervous. Now you don't have to. Now you don't have to imagine it. Your exactly. audience is naked. There's no being nervous. Exactly, dude. I was like, man, like how far can I go to my discomfort? <laughs> <laughs> how far did it go this is this is actually very uncomfortable doing it for the first time mm-hmm. like sharing your own thoughts right in real time that you never like you know practice it in front of the mirror it's yeah. not like a speech that you wrote it down it's everything like, just like spilled out yeah <laughs> so you can actually you know fuck things up but just imagine talking to people naked to make it of it that's 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 literally hey, i'm gonna be real man like mm. When I was with my my last girlfriend, some of the deepest conversations we had were both naked. Exactly, right? <laughs> you just um, it's very very intimate. Yes. <laughs> and you know you're kind of just like yeah, and you're 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 physically vulnerable, right? And then that leaves you in a space to be like, well, I'm already physical, but yeah. I'm physically vulnerable, so I might as well be emotionally vulnerable, right? What are you, you going have, to lose now? Yeah, you can have those deeper conversations. Dude, you know what? The crazy idea that I thought of. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Nobody's doing this. <laughs> I was like, I looked it up. I was like, nobody's doing this. Why won't I do a podcast with oh, those community? Yeah. I knew you were going yeah. <laughs> to say naked podcast. <laughs> Uh, that's like gonna be a different genre down the road that's what i'm thinking <laughs> it's gonna be a whole ass niche or it's like n- oh we went from asmr to mukbang <laughs> we went from podcast to naked podcast yeah joe rogan's rawness will never dude i can surpass that by being <laughs> naked share your own shit being naked because you know there's a lot of stigma about that actually like you know there's I respect those people who doesn't want their kids to you know see those people running the streets naked and all mm-hmm. that but I just thought of like, you know, like we were born naked. Yeah. And I think clothes are there to actually protect us from weather. Just imagine yeah. if you're living in Alaska, you don't mm-hmm. have clothes. Same way, like the cavemen skin animals back to, yeah. to have something to keep them warm. Yeah. So. Um, but then it's also like uh, more primal psychology stuff is like mm. uh, desires will always exist and um you know it's like part of it is because media had censored it for so long and and all those things and it's taboo and you're not supposed to see it that when you do get right. to see it it's like this special privilege and yeah, it's exciting you're and right like, ooga, ooga. um 
Like, why is it okay if mm-hmm. men are shirtless? Yeah, topless. But then women. If, women. if we, if, if the media never really covered that up or sexualized it, um, and we kind of just thought of topless women as like a normal thing. I mean, like every kid is aware that you know they breastfed if they were a breastfed kid. Like they know. Yeah. Um, but from an early age, we understand that you know women's breasts are, are, are a sexual thing, and it shouldn't it shouldn't be shown. I love that um, <laughs> there was this girl on TikTok who made a video and she was like, if men can, can run around and be shirtless, why can't women? It's just a set of nipples. Yeah. And there's a bunch of guys duetting the video. It's like, I fully support that. <laughs> yeah. Feminism. Women's rights. They should be able to do that. I fully support this 100%. <laughs> it's just like, who's telling you no? <laughs> I know the men aren't telling you no. <laughs> But honestly, it, it only goes wrong if you sexualize those things. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think about it that way. I mean, I always thought of like, you know, those are just a pair of tits that we have. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we have the same, <laughs> have men, the same tits. Men have, men have boobs. Yeah. So it's a thing. I was like, man, like, but don't get me wrong. I'm attracted to boobs rather than an ass, I believe. Like, it used to be like 80, 20. <laughs> now it's more like 60, 40. That oh I went to God. America. <laughs> So I recently had a conversation. Um, not recently. It was actually like maybe a couple months ago with mm-hmm. my friend about this, and um, it's funny because he and I we just like connect on something. Like we both did drumline. Mm-hmm. Um, we both like the same music and the same games, and it's just funny because like we always find new things where we're just like totally aligned. So he brought up the like tits and ass guy thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, which one are you? Mm-hmm. And I was like. I think every guy just like wants to be like um they want to be with the majority uh and they'll say they're an ass right um but i have no shame Mm -hmm. in saying that i'm a booby guy because Mm -hmm. um i i I, if if i (laughs) if i see them if i see them i just know that i i i i regress into this baby form like mm. I just go <laughs> I just completely go degenerate mode and I'm just like it goes back to that yeah 100% <laughs> I believe there's and study the, to that and the other thing is that I know for me mm. I appreciate all sizes and I think women of all bra sizes should be celebrated from the ones who have the same chest size as me mm. all the way to the other side of that spectrum <laughs> I I know that I'm more of a tits guy because I appreciate every single size. Right? I think I think all the ass men are very superficial and they're like, yeah, I like nice, firm. It's like oh, when a, when an ironing board comes through, what do you do? What do you say? <laughs> then you're like, no. Yeah. But I know I'm I'm a tits guy because you know, Flatty McGee come through. <laughs> You know, or yeah. anyone with the with the with the milk jugs come through, like <laughs> all sizes, in between, women of all shapes and sizes. You know, round of, uh, round of applause of 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 our, our our queens of all sizes. This is not like you know shaming on those girls that you know has small bro- smaller boobs or bigger boobs. Yeah. It's just a, I think it's own like personal preference. Yeah, it's not like shaming on those people that we oh. don't actually in our you know personal preference and what i just always thought as a kid 
that you know as can be worked out you can do mm-hmm. squats a million times a day and mm-hmm. get your ass bigger yeah. boobs you can just put silicone on it that's yeah. unnatural but i love yeah. natural big boobs and that's natural <laughs> you're kind going of, back about you're gifted kind of stuck with just the um going back about the, gifted the unnatural what you can't, really, you can't really um yeah there's only an unnatural option up there but uh, you can work out, and, uh, but you can also go the unnatural route. For yeah, them. if if you're you know if you're happy about that, good for you. Yeah, it's just yeah. a personal preference thing. It's not. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's yeah. terrible. It looks bad. So where's this energy I'm bringing when um a woman is presented a short king? Dude, that's Jordan. Now we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> where's my love for short kings like myself? <laughs> oh. I think it's a society. It's a society. It's TikTok. I, it's... I've, I've seen I've seen videos where guys go up and interview a bunch of women. Um, Andrew Andrew Tate's in the comments. Um, but uh, <laughs> the taters, the tater tots in the comments. Yeah. Um, but like go up to women and ask them like, what's what is um an ideal height for a guy? And they're like, six foot seven. Mm. It's just like, do you know what? How tall six foot seven is? That's like. <laughs> average basketball player what are you talking about <laughs> how tall are you five two nah. bro i think it's a prefer- personal preference thing again yeah, it's sort I, of like no, we love no, big boobs or no problem we are more boob guy than ass having guy. a preference yeah but like you can have the preference but i mean like they go so far to say like six, guys seven. who are short are they're gross. Just and they're talking dumb, about bro, like five six. nine and shorter five nine and i'm just like get over yourself you're we can go over all your your flaws and everything you're insecure about and you know i'm sure there's still someone out there who prefers you but like on the flip side of that is like Mm -hmm. you can watch those videos and watch those girls be like i prefer you know whatever tall guys and stuff and then it's stupid for the percentage of guys out there who watch those videos and let those women's responses make them insecure about their height because the same way that they're girls who prefer tall guys there's much less of them out there but there's ones who prefer shorter guys especially if they're shorter themselves like i'm sure you know no girl wants to be hugging around the thigh of a guy because she's <laughs> four foot eleven and he's you know they're probably tired of like kneeling women. down when they suck dicks <laughs> they could just stand up and suck dicks <laughs> if you're five two and your boyfriend is six seven you don't have to kneel down and suck his dick <laughs> Maybe that's why so many of the yeah. celebrities go for basketball players. <laughs> Kendall Jenner. Confused. Shout out to okay, Kendall. Okay, Kendall's pretty tall. <laughs> but I dude, was more talking like Jenner. No, he was. He, she's dating Ben Simmons. Is like six fucking ten, six eleven. Oh, she was dating Devin Booker. He, she 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 was passing around. Yeah, Kyle Kuzma to Ben Simmons to D Book. That's why he never got a ring. Mm-hmm. That's why you know those people that she dated never got a championship they're so-called quote-unquote um kardashian cursed mm. yeah it's 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 a funny running funny joke running running joke in the That's basketball world. <laughs> when you date a kardashian they get lamar odom get hooked up in a fucking i thought the kardashian curse was an std you know, I thought that's what I thought that's what that was. I didn't know it was uh you can't win a basketball championship. What did Ray J got an STV? <laughs> Dude, that video was so hot when I watched that when I was in sixth grade, I believe. <laughs> it was so hard to find, especially with those Windows XP that when you watch porn, your computer gets Trojan virus immediately. It was really mid. It was a really mid tape. 
If you're if you're watching an, amateur tapes, that's a pretty mid tape. <laughs> what do you mean mid tape? What does uh, that mean? Mid as in um not very good. It's very average. I like it. Amateur. <laughs> also, also Kim K back then wasn't like super hot. Fair, but she got good tits though. I... You don't like it? Yeah, yeah it I... was it was pretty trash. <laughs> there's there's better amateur work out there. <laughs> Fair. Even for the times, it was Fair. um. It was not a, it was not a good. I don't think um, I don't think I went to that. One. I'm pretty sure I just like watched it out of curiosity and just like, oh, that's what all the fuss is about. I don't get it. Well, I just thought that you know those amateur videos are so much better than those big production videos. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent. you will feel it's, it's so real, real it's and raw, natural. Yeah. I mean, like, at least in my experience, like one of the best things. I find mm. sexually is like just the person 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 to person connection like oh okay. so it's like yeah. laughter right yeah. Those, oh, awkward, yeah. those awkward moments those yeah. like when you're just like being full human like, yeah like, those intimate the, kisses yeah those are the yeah. very beautiful moments of, of intimacy the right. spiritual and um yeah I mean like amateur work is like it's cool um to just see like or it's just it's preferred to just see two people instead of um i will say some of the high production um the, some of that dialogue writing and that acting <laughs> <laughs> like man if i just want to laugh i don't even want to bust a nut like it's it's a gets a real good go-to <laughs> but hey there's some pretty good actors in the porn industry rather than in the hollywood thing though <laughs> there's some pretty garbage hollywood actors. yeah it's like oh my god they can definitely they spot some more harry styles in that uh <sighs> that that darling movie or whatever it's called i mean i don't know how his acting is but mm. that, did you see that interview of harry styles mm, where no. he was like that's what he really like about this movie you know it's like like a movie it's like a, it's like a cinema <laughs> film movie that you go to the cinema to see uh, like a movie uh, like i'm pretty sure i just quoted him word for word <laughs> dude i i wish i have a jamie do you know what the jamie is like no the joe rogan's um like, oh assistant. Yeah, like, yeah yeah jamie pulled it up like well, <laughs> that's <laughs> the reference yeah we can watch him youtube a big screen down here yeah, that's what i'm thinking yeah, yeah. I, need to, I need to hire that kind of person that you know i don't have to deal with this like okay we have to press record yeah. again because we will have a switcher mm-hmm. they'll be recording the software down here to just record yep. immediately and i don't have to think about you know googling that and lost mm-hmm. the focus on our conversation focusing on the cameras and all that dude i need to hire jamie so fuck. Yep. Yeah, yeah jamie. jamie pull it up like what is he talking about <laughs> look it up on youtube we, it's we fine look. we don't really need to watch it I, I i explained it perfectly and i said every single word that he said in that interview it's like a movie like a real movie that you go to the cinema and watch a movie like, what are you talking about man jeez so oh, this is a bit of a rough transition because we're in a two-hour mark now, and I want to talk. Oh, still want to talk about the um, your marketing new job. Like, oh. what's what's the um, like going back to the um, ex- rea- uh, expectations versus reality. What was your like expectations before taking that job? Um, man, I just went in with an open mind. Mm-hmm. I knew I was gonna have to learn a bunch of stuff on the fly, and I did. Mm-hmm. Um. The expectations were, um, it, they they kind of met my expectations. You know, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I was like, eh, it's a job. 
um, it's not going to be super exciting, but it's more in the realm that I'm interested in, mm. like marketing. And I do a lot of like back end stuff with like YouTube videos and things like that. Mm. Um, and kind of like creating content, built website building is something that I'm oh. learning and kind of updating um, the website, some uh, some design stuff. I'm writing a lot of copy mm. for like radio. Uh, there's like a radio show that I do. Like I, I write out the segment for. Holy shit, you do? Um, yeah. Uh, it's a. It's a cool radio show that's in Hawaii. Um, wait, wait, in Hawaii? I yeah, thought so you were the, working in a law firm. So, yeah, it's a law firm in Arizona. And there's another firm in Hawaii. It's called the Attorneys mm. for Freedom. Um, I'm not here to do ad- <laughs> advertising work for them, though. <laughs> they should pay me more um, <laughs> if they want that. But um, he also has a firm in... Mark also has a firm in Hawaii. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, he works with this guy Rick Hamada, and they do a radio show called Law Talk. So they talk like, you know, law stuff, and, mm. and it it goes up on the radio um, in Hawaii. So they have a segment called Strange Crimes, and it's um, it's a really well done segment where the guy kind of reads the rundown of a weird crime that has happened recently, mm-hmm. and kind of like gives the background, the sentencing, what they were charged with, and all of that. Um, so I I get to write that, which is really cool. Um, and then I'm just. Uh, it, it's a it's a good amount of writing, but it's like it's not too much at a time, and I, um, it's really cool. I, I I didn't realize I'm actually like kind of a, a good writer. Um, I guess it comes from you know <laughs> growing up alongside Jordan, right? Um, uh, so it's it's been really cool, um, so far. Uh, I'm not gonna say like I'm super satisfied and I loved it because mm-hmm. I'd be lying again. It's a job, right? Um. And I'm just, I'm grateful that it's in uh, kind of an area that I'm interested in. I'm interested in. Yeah. yeah. Which, like, coming out of high school and not, like, going to college, an internship in marketing is not easy to find. I right. mean, like, most places that are doing that kind of thing are looking people who are in college. Mm-hmm. For, sorry, excuse me. But, you know, who are in college for that kind of thing, which, like, you know, I just, they were looking for people. I was available and I decided to interview. And Eric was like, uh, my employer, um, the marketing director there was like, yeah, I, I think you're great for it. Like, I, I think this could be really a really good opportunity for you, and it has been so far. So, I think that's a really good skill set to add, mm-hmm. especially for like, photography business. Yeah, it's stuff that involves like, I mean, SEO and, and marketing. And oh, you know SEO now. Building. Holy shit! Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. All that kind of thing. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's super important to know for any any business owner. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, once I, I get into starting my own business and website, like that's something super important to know. What are you using? Squarespace or all other? Uh, um, they're working out of uh, WordPress. Which WordPress. Is, yeah. Oh, okay. It's one of the older um, softwares, but mm-hmm. uh, or programs or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like now with like Squarespace and Wix, a lot. Easier more to, modern yeah. and easier to navigate but um, mm-hmm. wordpress is is fairly simple um i at least like for what we have i've never done anything from scratch mm-hmm. i've just worked with what's already in there and it's been pretty pretty good how was your learning in um, adobe premiere software premiere yeah oh i'm still paying for that subscription but <laughs> i have not Wait, really you're... done anything with oh. premiere so far yeah so you're um, not working with a 
um, law firm with Premier. Yeah, no, 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 stuff no, no, right no. now. Uh, th- th- there were plans to, but um, I'm more working in Photoshop for like YouTube thumbnail stuff oh, and everything. Right. Um, not doing anything. They have a full like uh, video and audio guy who I've been able to work under. His name's Joey. He's super cool. Um, I've been able to to work with him. And that's been like a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. I, he does like um for the podcasts mm-hmm. that they do over there at the firm. Um, he does like all the recording and producing for that, and I've been able to like. See I need that. to learn from him, man. Yeah, it took Joey's me a hours. Really cool guy. <laughs> it took us hours to set up this thing up. <laughs> yeah, man. You should see if he's um he's looking for an assistant. assistant. I yeah, might, I might talk to him next time. I yeah, just be I, like, um, dude, that, that's yeah. what I was looking for around three in the morning today mm. to assistant editor assistant whatever just yeah. no i'll totally talk to him yeah. and be like hey I, I have this guy who's here in arizona mm-hmm. um he actually i think he lives in tempe oh um, shit really so he's not uh he's not too far mm-hmm. um and i can reach i can tell him like hey yeah. i've got this this guy or this friend um he's he wants to be a, a filmmaker and uh you know video editor and he i mean you want to do it full time right like yeah. that's like the point you want to get to let him know and um, see if he, I mean, he does like concerts and so he does audio for concerts. He mm-hmm. does like video for a bunch of different people. Um, he also uh, rents out this um, this space for people to use. So if they want to have like social events and stuff, they can do that. Um, he does a lot of cool stuff. He's a really cool guy. You should definitely. Um, yeah, that'll be a big help. Get in that'll touch with him. That'll be a big help. Especially yeah. that I'm running a podcast to know the audio side of like how to do this. Yeah, dude. Software. His, his audio setup, it's really funny because... um. Like, he has tons of plugins and, and all of this, like, equipment. He has, like, the cool lights and everything. I mean, he has soundproofing for the um, the studio that they yeah. shoot in and everything. But, um, you know, like, music stands that you put sheet music on? Mm-hmm. So he uses those and kind of, like, turns them into a table, and that's where he keeps a lot of his, like, audio stuff mm-hmm. on. Um, but uh, he definitely, like, improvises a bit, but everything is, like, super, super professional and well done. I mean, three cameras, three angles, like, mm-hmm. all the things, like, he's... He's good at what he does. There's definitely a ton you can learn um, from Joey. So if I can, I can get you in touch with him if he's looking for some kind of assistant. Like, shout out to Joey. Yeah, shout out to Joey. <laughs> um, no promises. So no, I, I have to talk yeah, to him first. For sure. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely that. Um, but no, the, working at the at the law firm has been really interesting. I've never been interested in law, and I still don't think I'm interested in law. But mm-hmm. you know, um, here I am. <laughs> You know what's funny is that that's that's one of the things that I actually want to do mm. to be a lawyer. So when I was, you know, so in the Philippines, school system is different. Right. When you graduate in sixth grade, we actually graduate in sixth grade, right? Mm-hmm. We immediately jump to freshman year in high school. Mm. Four years later in high school, you jump in immediately to college. Mm. So we were the last batch to do that. Um, system and then there goes k-12 after our you know yeah um, batch but so when i was so just imagine going to college at 16 yeah i think it's younger than mm-hmm. here, it's here like right 18, 19. yeah so going to college at 16 17 years old and i was so clueless and just having that mentality of like going to america like my dad told me that just gonna study for one semester yeah so six months Mm-hmm. And I was planning to, you know, um, enroll in ph- philosophy. Yeah. Just I was so into, like, dude, I'm just fascinated how you think, how you think deeper and deeper and question all of those things, right? And I also wanted to be a priest. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this story? No, I haven't. No? Oh, okay, cool. So I also wanted to be a priest. 
it's it's funny. I know people who knows me. If I say that, they will laugh their ass <laughs> off, <laughs> knowing my background. So I want to. So just thinking of like, so if I want to go studying law, I need the pre-law at least. That's what that would be great. If if it's philosophy, I know how to debate and all question and all the shit. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you wanted to be a priest, you need to at least have the prerequisite anyway of philosophy. Yeah. And my mom. And dad wasn't around because they, my mom and my dad was like working in Las Vegas since I was four. And my mom is working in Canada since I was 13. So I was raised by a maid. Yeah. Which actually sort of like, um, sort of like a mom role model to me. And when I told that idea to my uncle, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, he told me that going to study philosophy. Yeah, just gonna be a fucking teacher. I was like, mm, I don't want to be a teacher. <laughs> just imagine being sixteen years old being told about that. And yeah. I told my um, girlfriend at that time that um, my uncle told me that if I'm gonna study philosophy, I'm just gonna be a teacher. I just want to study business. Then mm-hmm. she was like, "Business? That's a fucking common um, major. Get yeah. a life." Like, and she was like, "Why won't you just, you know?" get the major that I'm going into, like food technology, and we can just, you know, spend time with me for the next semester. You're just going to leave anyway. Why don't you just spend time with me? I was like, fuck yeah, that's a good idea. But that, that's really a good idea. So I started um, food technology for the next six months. And after that, bid goodbyes to my classmates and to my girlfriends and my family. Later did I know I still be living in the Philippines for three years. So I was like, fuck my life. I'm, I'm not studying the things that I and you know moral of that lesson is just like you know if you want to do this thing so bad and you know I think it's the, the best way is like to just do that thing um, even though people will tell you that oh it's you're just going to end up to this you're just going to end up to that it's not a good idea but at the end of time you can't really blame them yeah. for taking that advice because at the end you'll still be the one who's just gonna face the consequences with that that's what i've learned mm-hmm. also when i got here in america i was like fuck you all like my dad told me that you know you will only be successful if you will join the military yep just imagine hearing that as a 20 year old like what the fuck yeah <laughs> i was like holy <laughs> shit <laughs> but terrible you know advice. It's a terrible advice. Telling that to a twenty-year-old is clueless in his life. I mean, in my dad's defense, I'm not saying that that is correct, but at that time, I was so clueless. Oh, this is so much better. Oh my god, you know. So, um, my dad's defense. You know, at that time when he asked me, "What are you plans in your life?" I was like, "I don't know." Like twenty-year-old, I have a kid, and I don't know what I'm going to do in my life because I was, you know, spoon-fed. Like everything was given to me. I didn't earn any shit. And, you know, I think that's one of his ways to let me know that, hey, this is one of the ways, but to tell you that it's the only way, I think yeah, it's, yeah, yes. that's... I don't, I don't fully agree <laughs> with that. The military is the only way. I mean, not going to college and coming out of high school and then moving to a new state. Yeah. No friends. Gotta find a job. is pretty scary. Um, that, I mean, like, and I didn't even find photography at the time I moved here. Like, it took me, like, a little bit, and I had to yeah. take a big risk. And 
and just pick up things to see what I like to do and luckily I found photography but no I mean like I I was in the same position just being absolutely directionless and it's scary because I mean you feel like adulthood like creeping up on you and like you're gonna have to start being responsible and make money and, and all of these things and it's like for me since I didn't go to college is like college is almost like this buffer mm-hmm. you have an extra three four years or anywhere between like two and four years before you have to really really be an adult the real world you get to dorm or mm-hmm. you live on campus you're still going to school mm-hmm. which means that you have you constantly have a social network and you get to meet people your age and you know there's, there's all of that but you know for me it was just like straight to working mm-hmm. and, you mm-hmm. know I, I came here with with no friends and you know really no way to to honestly make friends i'm glad to say that you know i have you know your friend and, and feeling I, just I, mutual yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i have um i have the few good ones and it's you know when you're when you're in school it's kind of like for survival right you find people you meet people and it's for survival so you're not your your radar isn't super calibrated you don't have um you don't really have too many standards it's kind of just like the the person who likes you know or who has the same shoes as me like we can be friends like yeah and just just to to feel safe especially because like in in school systems like there's tons of friend groups and people you know people um kind of kind of get together to to have that safety and you know you need that but coming to a new state um and not really having any friends i was very like i was like i'm okay i have my really good friends that i've known since yeah. middle school that I, I i play games with that are all over the country friend in kentucky friend in chicago friend back home in california friend i think he's in wyoming now mm-hmm. um but friends all over like i know that like i can always like talk to these people it, that makes me feel safe if i'm gonna have an in-person friend we need to have the same values we need to have the same especially because like when i moved here i like totally flipped and and i just became a lot more reflective of, of myself and i started to to really understand what i want out of life um mm-hmm. and uh this might sound like i'm coping but it's, i swear it's not but it's it's a big part of why i'm, I'm still single mm-hmm. um I think like part of it is like I just don't have the time. Right. But um, I I went through phases where it was all I thought about, and it really like ate away at me to just like chase women in a relationship with people I didn't really like have anything in common with, or like you know it it would just never really work out. But I was I, I felt so like starved for affection, and I truly believe that like if you're missing. It depends on the person, but I, I think if you're the right type of person and you're craving affection, you really can't just give it to yourself. And 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 self love is it's. Oh. Sorry. Perfect. Self love. <clears throat> I think that um that self love is is a real thing, and um everyone is capable of of gaining this power to. You know just treat themselves right and and listen to their emotions and you know think about what they want out of life uh, a big part of relationships and and where they 
they fall a lot of the times is that people stop being concerned with themselves. They're so concerned about what the other person wants and how to make someone else happy. And um, I've just been so like, how do I make myself happy? And it's it's changed the way I look at life. It changed the way I look at myself when I'm in certain situations is like, you know, you know, either I'm like, how do I make myself happy? Or uh, if I'm not happy, I don't have to ignore those feelings, right? You know, people people go through things in their personal lives while they're in a relationship and they just can't put energy in to resolve that kind of thing. Maybe they have to put more attention into or they, they can't just completely like abandon their relationship. You know, they can't just fully take time and, you know, anyone in a relationship will want to support their significant other when they're going through something. But sometimes you really just need time completely alone. And it's, it's kind of hard to voice that especially as a guy when you're in a relationship but I'm single and I get to just be like I need to be alone I need to wallow in my depression sometimes mm-hmm. and then just uh, keep it rolling keep in and just you know I got my you know however window of time to just feel all my emotions be frustrated and and and, and whatever and then I can I can start to work and do things that um that'll improve my life and, and improve the way that I'm feeling. Um, but I think that's a step that a lot of people forget about is when you're feeling a negative emotions to feel those negative emotions instead of just like, that was a big thing I learned with like all this time I've had to myself is like, you know, don't just, um, just wait, um, <laughs> but uh, don't just go straight to like trying to be happy or do something to make yourself happy. If you're not happy, you're feeling certain emotions, and it's not to say like let it out on other people or on something you know um there are healthy ways to cope like you know you can work out um you can meditate uh, um i haven't really meditated in too long but i've really just like like i don't like do the full like ritual of like sitting down with like with everything and then the, i kind of just sit and, and think i'm a, I'm a thinker Mm-hmm. and just thinking through my emotions not to say that like i'm trying to be like logical about anything but mm-hmm. just really like wrapping my head around everything i'm feeling mm-hmm. helps so much in, in in my personal opinion and i feel mm-hmm. like in a relationship you have this responsibility and this obligation to kind of get everything off your chest and and you know talk to your significant other like a therapist like you mm-hmm. know but and i just i don't want that i'm not looking for that in my life right now you know i don't i i want my my business and my feelings to be my feelings and i don't want to feel like and you know i'm sure that like i can meet a girl and i can just voice that you know and hopefully i meet the right person who doesn't take offense to that and isn't like upset that they don't get to play therapist for me um but no i i really just like feel out my feelings and that's like that's been a, a really big help in in my life and it's it's guided me a lot i i think a lot of people really do fall out of that habit of feeling their feelings so when they're stuck in a job or a relationship they're so fixated on making things work and that they keep themselves in that cycle that they want to get out of but when you fear your feelings you can really come to the conclusion and be like i need to quit this job or Mm -hmm. i i need to cut off this relationship whether it's a friendship or whatever right or i need to stop these bad eating habits or i need to stop you 
you can really reflect on life and and why you feel a certain way and it's so much easier to find a solution when you kind of take that time to game plan right i really love the things that you've said and i want to break it down mm-hmm. because that's a lot and yeah. i like uh, like it because i know you know sometimes voicemails doesn't go through and this is what i actually said i want to mm-hmm. talk to you in my podcast because i like when our conversations are flowing because you are a really great thinker you just don't speak your thoughts without thinking thoroughly about it Mm -hmm. you know because there's a lot of people you can can be you know conversationalist without even thinking the words that you're spitting out yeah that can be always out of context it's not making sense right so first off i i actually realized that it can really give you a different paradigm or you know perspective if you move to a different place yeah because there's a lot of like you know different culture different it's sort of like you know we we know what arizona is we have our own perception about it but it's different when you live there it's sort of like having a map of arizona when you live when you used to live in la you Mm -hmm. let's just say you have a map in arizona in your hands right and then you see it on your hand okay this is the street of chandler tempe whatever but it's different when you actually step on those streets Mm -hmm. and you have the feel and vision and it will just open a different paradigm we're holding it let's just say we're holding the same maps of tempe but you are not living in tempe you've never been to tempe Mm -hmm. but you have you know perspective about it but yeah. it's different when you're living in tempe let's just say i was living in tempe we have the same map but we have a different perspective mm-hmm. about it yeah so it's sort of like that and the adjustments of like having a relationship with friends in your hometown and then moving out of town with n- no friends at all i you know i never thought of that as very important it never crossed my mind that it'll be so important because you know throughout the years that i've been living in the philippines i built that relationship for 20 years yeah and i never thought of like i need to start all over again when i move out of a con of the country mm-hmm. more so like living in a different another city again mm-hmm. like from vegas to yeah, arizona right. i was like holy shit this is a whole new like from going back to level one square one yep. that's built another blueprint never thought it would be so important to have that camaraderie to have find your own circle not just to find some random people at the bar to just think that you're not alone yeah but even though you will find those people that doesn't really align with your values you feel fucking alone when you just you know pinpoint those people okay he's my friend because i know him from a you know a party or whatnot but if you don't really connect with them right. you will still feel lonely so mm-hmm. like you know it's it's just so fascinating when that night happened when i met jordan when i met you i was like dude this is i when i shared to, it to my buddies back home i was like fuck bro it's like fucking movie mm. it's like a movie it's so like i don't know how to explain it it's like there's a spark that can be immediately connected i was like holy shit we, we sort of like we ate mushrooms and we <laughs> went to another together. yeah we went to another <laughs> dimension but i never tried mushrooms i but anyway so that's part of it and um in relationships um i forgot what i was supposed to say about relationships but it's never mind i'm, I'm gonna 
Um, I'm going to remember that. But I think, oh, I think I, I've been through, I've also been through um, to the phase of like so desperate for like finding a partner. Especially when I first lived in Vegas. Right. When I was alone, no friends, don't know anybody. And there's lack of like intimacy and connection. And as a human being, I think it's so normal to look for that. Not just, you know, a shallow conversation on the tip of an iceberg conversation that, that doesn't really fills up my soul. That doesn't really satisfies my soul. I believe that's one of the things that is, you know, that fascinates me when I heard Joe Rogan's podcast, like a three hour podcast, like the connection that he have to his guests, the dance that we talked about. It's like yeah. so fascinating, the connection, the intimacy. There's not like, you know, um, a talk show that there's two hosts or five guests. It's 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 a different level of conversation. It's it's so deep. And I, I was just so fascinated on how he talks and how he listens to his guests i was like man i want to be that guy i want to have you know his skill set his vocabulary because especially you know growing up from a different country growing up in a different language that this is not my first language so i want to be that good yeah because we've talked about this a lot that you know if like i want to be articulate not just articulate but very like i just want to be a deep thinker yeah because when you have that you know there's more opportunities that will be open up, opening it up for you because you can share what your ideas is and people will be buying your ideas, not your bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you can have that, um, we've talked about, I mean, I shared this a lot with you guys a million times already, but I want to, I just want to share it to the audience that if you are so um, very well spoken, then you can give that very good pitch to the investors or to your future business partners yeah sky is the limit Mm -hmm. what it takes is just like having that you know um skill set of be articulate and just do the action that's you know that's the follow-through right and and you know it takes a lot of time to to build relationships to build your skills skills your craft and it's but it's a beautiful thing actually to have mm-hmm. that reset button not just like you know um this is what i always thought that i thought i was like a failure like i really suck in life especially that i was so lost when i was in the philippines right and when i moved down here i was like this is another like a great opportunity for me to pivot and you know, straighten up my life. Right. And what I've learned is that, you know, like going back to the history that I've um, been surrounded with the people that really criticized me and um, hum- let me feel the humiliation was like, whatever failures that we've been through, that doesn't really define us today. Especially yeah. if you want to improve, especially if you accepted that you made some mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, and you will learn from it and get better. But that doesn't really define who you are today. That's what I've learned. Yeah. Like I was a douchebag back then, but I'm not that. You know, I'm not that guy today. <laughs> yeah, Dude, that, that's that's just. I want to just let it out there because you know, as a human being, it's it's so normal to make mistakes. Yeah. And growing up in a very conservative family in a Catholic background, it was just so. Um, it was just so tight too. I really don't have that room for improvement of like 
um, having that leeway to make some mistakes. Yeah. Just imagine that I wasn't born perfect. Like, what the fuck do you want me to do? Do you want me to be like Jesus Christ and not sin? Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. I'm only human. Yeah. And then, you know, whenever I make some mistakes, it's sort of like the end of the world. That's how they see it. It's sort of like yeah. you can't improve anymore because you did that. I was like, that is so fucked up. I realized that when I got here. Yeah. I said, that's so fucked up, man. Like, that's what I want to teach to my kid is that, you know, dude, like you can make mistakes. I don't want to mm -hmm. like beat you up to death if yeah. you make mistakes. Mm -hmm. As long as you know that you did something wrong and, you know, you want to um, correct yourself. I think that's the best way to improve and get better and to be a better individual. Mm -hmm. So there's just um, there's like going back. There's just a lot of like norms in religion and um culture and to all other um institutions and there's a lot of ideologies that was made back then that was so it might be so fitting in that day and age yeah but you know as a human being we evolve a lot we have transgender now we have you know i'm a man today i'm a woman tomorrow and you can't call me Gender this and that. Yeah, there's Not, that's non-binary. I think that's one of the greatest. I don't. I don't know if I want to call it evolution, but a drastic change in our society. Mm -hmm. We don't have that a decade ago. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that we are facing now as a society. Is that yeah. you know, really, really pains me to to you know. I I understand that like the trans community and the LGBT community, they have their adversities and they, they've, they've faced struggle and, 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 you know, being outcasted and, and you know, the, the, all the negative things that society's inflicted on them. Um, but to completely roll over the progress that we've made, that we're in a society that, that's more accepting of them, you know, it's a shame. We've come right. really far as a country that, with how implemented it is. Uh, I truly do believe that maybe Canada has us beat, but we're pretty damn close to uh, the most uh, freedoms for you know being trans or, or LGBT. Um, what about Thailand? Oh, Thailand. There's yeah. Thailand too. Yeah. Thailand is very, very liberating in that sense. That's that's a good point. How could I um. I'm gonna forget about Thailand. There's a lot of like running jokes about of, Thailand. A lot of lady boys. Beware if you go to Thailand. There's a lot of running <laughs> jokes about that. Yeah. Yeah. Thailand's up there. Um. So this is a good segue, and I, I you know, I, I just I see why you bring it up. Um. Uh. Because my, we, my bottom line, mm. right, when it comes to sexuality, um. I, I really want to put this out there that the, the bottom line when it comes to anything in regarding sexuality is leave the children out of it I, I want to go into this this yes. topic by laying that out there as a as an adult you can do whatever you want you can you know say whatever you want you can express and believe and and, and be with whoever you want right it doesn't matter right you fully have that right as a kid or, or when it comes to, to children do not need to be educated about the sexual side of it 
And I, even like when it comes to just the baseline of gay and lesbian, I think it should be normalized in society. Um, but I, I don't think there's any reason to, you know, go up to a kid and, 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 and tell them like, this is the right way. Yeah. It, 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 there's extremists out there. This is who you are. That say like, you know, they don't, they kind of leave being heterosexual out of it. They, they leave being cisgendered heterosexual, not even as an option. They're like, they, they really, really pushed the, the gay agenda when educating kids. And again, I don't think we need to be sitting down with Tommy and telling him that he, he could or should have a boyfriend or that whatever he's thinking, if he's best friends with, with his guy best friend, it's no romantic feelings. Just let the kids be friends. It, it doesn't matter if, if two boys are on the playground holding hands because they haven't been told anything about, you know, gay or straight or whatever. They're just like, oh, whatever. We're just, they're just kids. They're just playing. Like, it doesn't matter. We don't need to have these sit down conversations about it. Normalize it. If the two boys are walking on the playground holding hands, it doesn't mean they're gay. Yeah. But it, it there, there also shouldn't be anyone going up to them. Telling them that that it's wrong. Yeah. That's the difference between normalizing and educating. Right. We need to be having sit-down conversations with children about this stuff. It's just not a children's topic. The same way that we aren't educating kids on, like, straight sex, there doesn't need to be conversations about the opposite. It, It just doesn't need to happen. We don't teach kids about penis vagina until, you know at least like fifth grade and it's just about their own bodies it's never about the other body when it comes to knowing about the other body and sex that's not until you're like 16 right so you're like two years off of being an adult and it's very very educational it is not if we don't go into into sex and and kinks and and all of these things that some of the problem goes in is that we have an you know, very easy access to all those information, especially porn. Right. Just imagine I first watched porn when I was in second grade. I can't imagine the next generation. Just imagine how shitty the internet back then. Mm-hmm. Just imagine how the internet works today, just in your pocket, the tip of your fingertips. Back then, it was a land, yeah. land shit cord, internet, mm-hmm. internet cord. And it's um, it's it's a whole in- issue with the the porn industry and and how accessible it is i i don't think it should be fully acceptable to to the youth the way it is it corrupts a full generation of men and women and and it's it's a whole other issue but when it comes to extremists and you know i'll always say um Mm -hmm. extremists because they're very very valid trans people they're very very valid people in the lgbt community they are not to be um mistaken for any of the extremists mm-hmm. who are causing harm to to children and pushing their ideologies and trying to create this generation of kids who are all gay and non-binary and, and trans and, you know, those evil, evil parents who, when their kid just innocently wants a pink t-shirt, tells their kid, well, you might be a girl, actually. It's 
just let the kid like girl stuff. The kid might right. just be gay again. Like it doesn't have to. Sometimes it's getting to a point where we're just skipping over the possibility of being comfortable in your own body, which right. is what we should be teaching kids instead of teaching a kid that if that if the the little girl wants the the you know the basketball jersey that she has to not even identify as a girl anymore. Mm. It just let the kids explore. I mean, like, there's so many, you know, very feminine women out there who, in their younger days, used to dress like a tomboy, used to wear the flannels and the, the hats, and, and, you know, used to look like a little boy. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's a thing. Tomboys have always been a thing, and I just don't get where we went from, like, letting children just express themselves however they see fit and letting them figure it out later on in life to... I mean, jumping the gun as early as, like, the age of eight and considering hormone blockers before they even start puberty. Up. It's drugs. You're you're giving kids dangerous drugs that have to be prescribed by a doctor, and it's, you know, leave the children out of it. Again, there's valid... There's valid people in the community. You know, love whoever you want. Do whatever you want as an adult. But, you know, leave leave the kids out of it. Even the teenagers, whatever. You know, uh, I think, like, if um, if a kid is, is, you know, curious about their sexuality or whatever, as young as, like, the age of 14, just let them be a kid and, and figure it out. And, you know, th- uh, there's part of it where, like, there needs to be they 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 need some kind of resource i guess there's stuff on the internet that they can look up but then that's super sketchy when it comes to sources and stuff but we do not need to be you know feeding these kids like all these ideas and 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 guiding them and basically telling them what to feel that that doesn't need to happen at all one of the things once again that i really like having a conversation with you bro is you open a lot of like perspectives yeah. in my eyes because I can vividly remember when we talked about this over dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I was my ideas was based on Jordan Peterson right. and Ben Shapiro, mm-hmm. and and the reason because they're just one of those people that I look up that th- they're so articulate and very right. um you know they're great thinkers. Really easy to believe what they they have to say good persuaders there's a maid they're they're <laughs> geniuses and in, in what they're good at talking about. right i mean and my stance about that was their ideas of like you know you can't really tell a kid or like you know like a kid can tell you that um i'm a unicorn that mm-hmm. you can't just validate that which is you know i i support that idea but when they went through you know biology thing that you know it's clearly um, just male and female because you know um, X Science chromosomes and, and Y chromosomes mm-hmm. you know and you can't tell me that you're women were, were clearly you're a man that's mm-hmm. what they were stands uh, I yeah. believe that's like three to four years ago um, mm-hmm. um, issue and then when I heard about your thoughts and ideas about mm-hmm. when he told me that it's it's a belief I was like hold on like, this is okay. beliefs what do you mean by that when you explained to me that it's sort of like a religion Mm -hmm. i was like yes i 
get your point that it's sort of like a cult it's sort of like a religion that you know if i one person believes in this and this person is so persuasive and there's a lot of people will follow that so no 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 no, no. this is where i'm going it's like a religion that you can't prove it through science that god yeah. is real mm-hmm. but you believe that god is real most of the religious people mm-hmm. believe that god is real mm-hmm. it's sort of like the same with a transgender thing. doesn't matter what science you throw at them mm-hmm. they they're just this is this is why you know why are you telling me that i can't believe in this thing that i wholeheartedly believe mm-hmm. and then there's also the side of it that will bring up their own science to prove it and you know even christians and certain religions have had like times where they're like they've had like these ways to scientifically prove that god exists and it's the, it's it's the same thing and you know you really yeah i i fully believe that it's just a system of beliefs and anyone can believe whatever they want and i don't agree with the side that tries to convince them that it's invalid and that you know they're insane because there was a time within you know christian history where i'm sure when it first started and people were like hey there's god and he spoke to me and stuff they were seen as insane they were probably thought of as, as a witch and it's it's the same thing that we're going through again um you know i i until and just like religion there's extremists right i mean you can look at like the the muslim religion and there's there's radicals that shouldn't be tolerated because they infringe on people's rights um to to push their belief which um in the, within the the trans community there are extremists that um that should not be given a platform and should not be validated um, when they do heinous things. Um, their maps, you know, there's the whole map thing. I don't know if you've heard about that. Um, so, um, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to avoid um, any kind of censorship. Okay. Map stands for minor attracted person. So people who are minor. So it's the O file. The- Pedophiles? Yeah. Say it. We okay. talked about it in a previous episode, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Okay. So pedophiles are mm. um, trying to kind of integrate themselves into society as oh, yeah, a sexuality yeah. called MAP or minor attractive persons. Up. And that's an example of the radical extremists that should not be given a platform or, 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 or you know, that we should accept in society. They're criminals. They're disgusting evil people who have a problem and have a mental issue and you know they need to be castrated straight up they they shouldn't be allowed no children <laughs> have you seen my story no 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 holy shit bro <laughs> it's, funny, it's, uh, it's so funny that you said that because when ronnie and i talked about this because he was telling me that he wanted to be a priest and i was mm. like dude it flipped my world when i moved down here in america and and i knew that you know i learned that there's a lot of priests that are fucking pedophiles yeah and i was like it was like i'm not gonna be trying to those priests and i was like if you were the pope mm-hmm. you will be the one who's handling that let's just say there's 10 priests here in arizona that are fucking pedophiles yeah god forbid that's not happening right now that's mm-hmm. the line that i said and i was like what are you going to do about it like all those priests that are pedophiles if you're the pope he was like i'm gonna put them in jail mm-hmm. 
castrate them. I was like, I'm kidding. I was like, what the fuck is castrate? And I Google it. It's like, and it was like, cut their thingy. I was like, cut their thingy. When I Google it, cut their dicks? Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Dude, that's, There's a way to do it chemically. You can, it's uh, so funny that you said you can, you can make them take a pill. You don't have to, you don't have to so physically funny. chop it off. But um, I, I think pedophiles, they should have it physically chopped off. Oh my God. Bro, um, I wish, I wish we have like, we could talk about days and months and years but we're almost in our three hour limit yeah, and I, I can only upload over. A, 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 <laughs> an episode like the um anchor which is the sponsor yeah. for this podcast is like the they only give me like three hours max yeah. and i can't go over that there's there's definitely uh, we rambled a bit <laughs> we yeah did, we had some um well that's normal some These maybe are... some topics that uh that won't um fully go on here but uh that that, that will cut out in editing I'm sure there's um, there's maybe probably there was a lot of good stuff. So I'm hoping there's maybe like an hour we can cut out, if that, at least thirty minutes. Um, do you want to go on? Huh? Yeah. No. And, I, and I cut I, off. I, an, I'd an love hour. to. We can. Yeah, we can. Um, we can totally uh continue um, this topic. Just a, a few like last thoughts to kind of yeah we kind of like wrap it up eight minutes actually yeah no that's perfect and mm-hmm. then um we can uh wrap it in up editing yeah. yeah yeah i'm sure there's about 30 minutes to an hour that that can be cut out that doesn't need to doesn't need to be public <laughs> maybe some maybe some things so? i said yeah that um that people don't need to know that i know <laughs> or that i think but just let um, me know because you know yeah, i yeah, mostly yeah. put everything in since you mm-hmm. know just no to make yeah it raw. Don't, don't want to be um yeah. censored or, or don't want to censor ourselves but, yeah um yeah just something that i find unnecessary but going back to um you know trans ideologies kind of viewing it in the perspective of a belief system i don't want to say a religion because i don't want to equate them to religion and um religion a lot of times very much looks down upon um you know trans and lgbt ideology um it's it's more a belief system and you know whether it's real or not doesn't matter. <clears throat> Whether trans ideologies are real or not, that's it's a pointless conversation because it's real to these people. It's yeah. just as useless as having the conversation of is God real? Mm-hmm. The people who will entertain that will entertain that and the people who won't, won't. And we just leave it at that. But at the end of the day, just as Christians are free to believe that God exists, trans and LGBT people are free to express their gender and sexuality in whatever way they see fit, as long as they're not harming other people or uh, fucking touching yes. kids. Yes. That that's, and then at that point they're you're fine. You yeah. Know? Just um, don't shove it down my throat. The yeah. same way I can be friends with a Christian doesn't matter as long as they're not shoving it down my throat. Yeah. Um, I can be friends with with anyone of that community. Um, I'll respect your pronouns, no problem, unless, um, it gets a little out of hand. Um, please stay within the, um, he, she, they realm. Don't ask me to call you a fairy. Um, (laughs) then we're going too far. Um, God, maybe I'll like, maybe for neo pronouns, I'll maybe respect a Zizir. Don't go any farther than that. Don't start confusing me. Yeah. Um, please stay within he, she, they. Um, I'm totally cool respecting pronouns as long as um I respect you and and you know there's mutual respect. 
um if you're just some passerby on the street and we have no developed relationship or respect i have no reason to to respect your pronouns unless you're like very much passing as as the other gender but if you're like non-binary and you go by they them pronouns i'm sorry but i can't look at you and figure that out it's, we have to build a, a relationship and respect first and then you know and then i can do that um but no i mean anyone's anyone's free to believe whatever they want um the same way any religion is and that's just that's just bottom line as long as you're not the extremist and yep. don't sh- you know like force people to believe mm-hmm. in what you believe in and as long as you don't abuse people especially those younger people yeah. and, and let's just say you're in authority and mm-hmm. you pushing an t- agenda and trying to shape the next generation to, to push what mm-hmm. you believe is but yeah if you're happy with that i'm happy for you just yeah yeah you, just I don't mean, hurt anyone. all of us shouldn't yep. be forcing anything that we believe in yeah the same everybody. the same way that you know people who don't agree with with trans people are, mm-hmm. are telling them that they're crazy and forcing them to mm-hmm. to live in their cisgendered heterosexual body that's you know you're infringing on their right to live the way they want to live the same way that if a, a, a transgender or, or you know any person was was forcing their sexuality down your throat and telling you that that, that you need to live this way and whatever it goes both ways bottom line is we treat every individual like as a like human being with respect yep. like every race color sex gender yep. whatever just love one Humans. another yeah love yourself love, love yourself. others yeah like, and there's no problems there 100 i think that's the best way to wrap it yeah oh yeah. yeah man do you want to do this again sometime dude yes i'd love <laughs> to be back on this was uh this went on three hours when it wasn't yeah. supposed to <laughs> i mean you know we we haven't covered a lot of things that we want to cover so dude it's it's fun i really enjoy this conversation with you i did too man yeah so it's... if people want to connect with you where can they connect um the best would be uh my instagram um which is uh version two photo mm-hmm. um two like the word two but replace the t with a with the number two um there's a whole story behind why that's uh that's my name but um just like text me or something to, to see how to spell it and uh, so that you can put it up in the video and actually you no, yeah. put, put it down link below on youtube and spotify and if you're watching this on youtube i'm gonna put it on the screen yeah so kate and smith ladies and gentlemen yeah thank you so much for being here man thank i really you so enjoyed much for it. having me man yeah. it, was, it was a long time coming and um it couldn't have turned out better 100 so i'm vincent balsamo this is nice vibe with vince bye everybody <laughs>